Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Uncooperative Radio Show with Brian Bonner. The finest uncooperative conservative radio on the net. Kicking down the walls, blowing away the smoke screens. You cockroaches, and you know who you are. You can run, but you can't hide. Brian Bonner stands for truth, justice, and the American way. Enemies of America, foreign and domestic, consider yourself on notice. Uncooperative Radio is coming for you. Show. I'm your host, Brian Bonner from uncooperativeblogger.com. You're listening to uncooperativeradio.com. And I'm here with my lovely wife and producer, Susan. Say hello, Susan. Hello, American Patriots. All right, what are we talking about this evening? Well, this weekend is an extremely holy weekend, spiritual wise, because it is the be- yesterday was the beginning of Passover, Friday was Good Friday, and today is Easter Sunday. So Christians around the world are really celebrating today and bringing up that spiritual feeling to God. Don't forget the Jewish people. I did. I said Passover. I know, but you just said the Christians. Well, okay, and the Jews, all Christians and Jews across the land. Um, And guess what? Both religions do not celebrate their holidays by beheading people. No. No. (laughs) So anyway, we're going to talk about Easter and Passover. And then uh, the ups and downs for the week, medical madness, and the Second Amendment report meets the Fed. Now, guess where I got that this article from? Infowars. And weren't we listening to Alex Jones today? Um, yes. And I got this article from Infowars. Uh, this is really going to curl your hair. You are making a lot of noise. You have. You are on my chair. <laughs> And Martin Luther King died yesterday, so we will discuss some great black leaders. This is a very good article. I'm glad that the World Net Daily put it together, um, highlighting a lot of the great black leaders. So Martin Luther King died on the 4th, which was Saturday. So there's a lot of things going on this weekend. Seems like that's not good for my next paycheck. (sighs) All right. Sunday, so it's time for a prayer. This is for Easter, followed by a prayer for Passover. Easter prayer from living-prayers.com Dear God, our Lord, how we worship you. As we remember the moment when your love conquered, When out of the cave of sorrow, Jesus arose to release forgiveness to the world 
And each time we encounter this resurrection day, we are again lifted to an eternal place. Our sin, brokenness, and darkness fall away, and our your light and peace flood our lives. How we thank you for this incredible celebration we call Easter. Amen. Now, I want you to just kind of analyze this coming from your background as being a monk. Didn't you say that that's one of the reasons that Jesus did rise? Did rise? For forgiveness? Was, was crucified, I'm sorry. Well, he was crucified, died, and the part that they they always leave out is he went down to hell and released the souls from from hell. Um, and then he rose to the hand of the Father. Um, I don't know why I know what those are, but that's kind of interesting. There's a, there's a lot of stuff written about what people think happened during those three days. Um, it's, a, it's a great... It, it, it was a great story, and all the different ways of looking at it, too, was pretty interesting. Some would go to it uh, that he actually had to do battle with Lucifer to free the souls from hell. Others say it, it just his presence lifted them out of hell. Either way, pretty cool. And that's a Passover similar to me because that's when they the angel death passes over the Jews and, well, they stay alive in the end. So it's sort of like death and life. And the, that's why probably Easter's around the same time as Passover. <clears throat> Speaking of Passover... You're going to have to scroll down after that. I've changed my mind. I started the Passover segment with the Passover prayer. because... You just did the Easter prayer, so we'll go into the Easter segment. Okay, then let's just do that. (laughs) From Christianity.about.com. You know, that about.com never was much, but it's actually starting to get relevant. It is. It's really starting to have a lot of good stuff. It is. It really is. I was surprised because I remember I started trying to use it a couple years ago, and it was just junk. But now I'm getting stuff from it. On Easter Sunday, Christians celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is typically the most well-attended Sunday service of the year for Christian churches. Uh, I can tell you that the Catholic Church, boy, I I used to go to church every day, and there's like nobody. Sometimes I was the only person there. Sometimes there were two or three people there. I go to go on Sunday, Easter Sunday. I had to stand on line around the block. It gets. It, it, I gotta say, it really did tick me off, and that's that was a really bad attitude. But um, I was like, where, "Where are you people the rest of the year?" <laughs> but but that's how it is. The in, in at least where I grew up, the Catholics. My family only went to church Easter, Ash Wednesday. And Christmas. That's it. <laughs> that was the um, amount of religion in their lives. That's it. I know, and they were Irish too. <laughs> Irish Catholics. Go figure, right? Yeah. <laughs> My mom was a devout Catholic. She would say the rosaries every night, every morning, 
And she went to church every Sunday. She never missed a Sunday. Never. And so your Aunt Jean, too. Well, she goes on Saturday nights sometimes. I think she does now. Well, <coughs> but she does go mm-hmm. once a week. Like, yeah. Yes, that's mm-hmm. my mom did, too. God rest her soul. And, of course, Uncle Lou just never goes to church at all. He's not religious at all. In fact, he's an atheist. I I always get him. If I want to get him upset, I just bring up that, and he gets really touchy. Um, Anyway, where were we here? Christian churches, that's where we were. Christians believe, according to Scripture, that Jesus came back to life or was raised from the dead three days after his death on the cross. As part of the Easter season, the death of Jesus Christ by crucifixion is commemorated on Good Friday, always the Friday just before Easter. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus paid the penalty for sin, thus purchasing for all who believe in him eternal life in Christ Jesus. I have a a bone to pick with that notion, too. Uh, Just because you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card. Trust me on this. If 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 he is God, you know you're not getting it right. All right. So uh, again, they don't talk about what happened between the time he dies and the time he was resurrected. I I found that bizarre. I don't know why. I don't know why they wouldn't talk about it. I know the Catholic Bible uh, is much very different from everybody else's Bible because. They never let it stray. There's a whole board that has to look at every Bible that they put out. And it can't, it cannot veer away and change from what the original truth was. So you don't get a lot of these loose translations that you read. Uh, a lot of folks read, you know, like the one like in sometimes the King James Bible, for instance, is it, if you did a Bible study course with a Catholic, with the when he's using his Bible, and against the King James, you'll find out there's differences. There's stuff missing in, in the translation. And sometimes it changes the whole meaning of the passage. You know, I'm, and I've talked to you about this before the show. I went to a Bible study recently, last year, with your daughter, with our daughter. And that's exactly what happened. There was a group of six women. I think it was six or seven women. And three of them had the same Bible version and one had a King of James, and then your daughter has this funky Bible that's written only for women. The women's Bible. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> she, ever, she told me about that when she was in Florida. I told her, throw it away. <laughs> and she had three different Bibles, and that's the one she clung to. <laughs> so you know there's something wrong to it. She's an affirmation person. So anyway, it was funny because I would have, when they were reading the passages, the one girl that had the King James Bible, she would read, she says, well, this is what this Bible says. And I'd have to like explain to them, okay, you all have different Bibles. So you're, <laughs> there's different interpretations and that's going to change the meaning of the passages that you're reading. So this is not really a good Bible study <laughs> because which one are you going to pick? Yeah, well, I don't know. When I did it, uh, when I was a kid, teenager, uh, we just read first from one of their Bibles, and then I would read the same 
section from the Catholic Bible. And then we discuss the differences. Um, most of the time, it, it, it's an adjunct. It adds to. It's not contrary. But sometimes the, the meaning does completely change. It's uh, That's why I always recommend the Catholic Bible, because it's, it's the only one that's controlled that you just don't have just some person's opinion of of uh, his translation, which is incur- could be incorrect. So um, that's why they have a whole council of I think it's bishops. I can't remember bishops or cardinals, and they they have to review and approve every printing of the Bible. And it's in the Bible. It's it's in there with their stamp that it's an official Catholic Bible. It, the Torah is better than the Catholic Bible, but the Catholic Bible is like a step towards the Torah from, like, uh, the other Bibles that are more trans- heavily translated. So I, I'm just saying it's it's um, good to read other things if they are, are available. There would be no reason. I, the hatred of the Catholic Church, believe me, I, I can understand that, but the Bible, is a, it's a good Bible. More books in the Old Testament than any other Bible I've seen. Okay, so in Western Christianity, Easter marks the end of Lent, a 40-day period of fasting, repentance, moderation, and spiritual discipline in preparation for Easter. I have never seen anybody do this, and I have never participated in it. I don't know what they speak of this 40-day fast. We aren't required to have a 40-day fast. Nobody would do it anyway. Um, I find that funny. We never fasted. I, I didn't, wouldn't even know how back then. I learned later, later on how to fast. Um, but uh, forty, yeah, I don't think there's too many Catholics out there that are spending forty days fasting, repenting, living in moderation, and spiritual discipline. Um, I'm sure there there are some, but there's not going to be a lot because this isn't even taught as far as I can remember i don't remember ever being told i was supposed to fast for 40 days ever there was the fishes i hated on friday because i hate fish um we had to eat fish on friday because you weren't allowed to have meat on fridays um so we ate fish and and then the catholic church changed their mind and said no it's okay you can eat whatever you want on friday i'm like this is what the catholic church did to me my whole life it kept changing its mind i'm like how can this how can you expect me to accept this as truth? And you keep changing the truth as you go along. Either we had to do this on Friday or we didn't. Which is it? You can't be bold. I just want to interrupt a little bit and give you some breaking news. Thank you, Al Gore, for the amount of global warming we are experiencing right now. Winter weather advisory. Yep. I'd say we've got three or four inches on the ground already. Yep. And it's still coming. Yep. It's great. We just got the pickup truck fixed. You'll be happy to know. And brought it up last night. <laughs> and now it's it's snowing like uh, it's not going to get out of here after tonight. Now, it's not going to be a problem. I just, I just have to break trail with the Land Rover. I'm not worried about it. I know she is. I'm not worried about it at all. <laughs> I, ice I don't like. Snow and mushy snow and slush. I don't care. 
Uh, ice, that's a different story. Ice is a pain. I have to, you only have to chain up. Uh, I have 33, 12, 50, 15 tires. Big, giant balloon off-road tires. And got big, giant, heavy chains to put on. It's a, it's a hassle, too, because the tires are really aggressive, so the chains are always getting caught on them. Yep. Okay, well, that was breaking news. <laughs> and breaking and breaking whining. <laughs> All right, so uh, Lent begins on Ash Wednesday. I used, to, I used to just love having to go to school with ash on my forehead. And ends on Easter Sunday. Eastern Orthodox churches observe Lent or Great Lent during the six weeks or 40 days preceding Palm Sunday with fasting continuing during the Holy Week of Easter. Now, does does Bev have to fast for 40 days? Oh, no, she couldn't. Well, you know what? It's, it's, even in the Jewish religion, they give uh, waivers for that depending on your age. We read that. Yeah, well, I'm just curious. Does our, ch- does our church do that? Um, I don't know, but I do know that... Orthodox. Yeah, right? I do know that she does adhere to the fish every Friday. They still do that. Thank goodness I don't have to do that anymore. So anyway, uh, yeah, Ash Wednesday. So it ends on Easter Sunday. Um, Now, fasting, that's what I wanted to say. When they say fasting, they don't mean you don't eat anything for 40 days. You could could do that, but that would not be very healthy for you. Uh, Liquid juices, stuff like that. You just don't eat food per se, but you know you can drink stuff that gives that allows you to function. Still has some energy to it. Um, I don't. I don't remember all the one things you're allowed versus things you aren't allowed to to qualify as fasting. But when you hear fasting, I know you think just no eating of food. I got to tell you how hard that is. I used to regularly fast for one week. Um, extremely hard you have no idea how many times i didn't make it uh, to the one week mark and then i had to start all over again anyway that would bore you religious nonsense lent for eastern orthodox churches begins on monday and ash wednesday is not observed because of easter's pagan origins and also because of the commercialization of easter Many Christian churches choose to refer to the holiday as Resurrection Day. Yes, remember we told you about austere. That's that's what Easter's based upon, and it's a, was all. But it's it's kind of ridiculous because all of them are. All of the all of the holy days were taken from pagan holy days, and just Christianized. That's what the church did. Um. Anyway, so really, they all have pagan origins if you think about it. The Bible account of Jesus' death on the cross or crucifixion, his burial and his resurrection, or raising from the dead can be found in the following passages of Scripture. Matthew 27, 27 to 28, verse 8. Mark 15, 16 to... 1619 and Luke 23 26 through 24 
verse 35, and John 19, 16 through 20, verse 30. Determining the date of Easter. In Western Christianity, Easter is always celebrated on the Sunday immediately following the Paschal full moon. I had previously and somewhat erroneously stated Easter is always celebrated on the Sunday immediately following the first full moon after the vernal spring equinox. This statement was true prior to 325 A.D. Boy, you were really off there, guy. At 325 A.D., that's just not a little mistake. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of time. However, over the course of history beginning in 325 A.D. with the Council of Nicaea, the Western Church decided to establish to establish a more standardized system for determining the date of Easter. Yes, organization. That's what church is good for. It's it's like the Catholic Church is like a bureaucracy, with with religion built into it. Sort of like sort of like a a, a different uh, Islam thing. I keep noticing that there, there's so many similarities because he stole so heavily from the Torah. Uh, between, but the but the difference is they tend to be the anti whatever the Christian is. Like, that's why I know the Antichrist is going to be Muslim. <laughs> that's it. Oh no, they're going to kick me off every venue now. I just insulted muslims oh my god a protected class you can't talk that way about religion freedom of religion it's not a religion it's a gov. it's a government islam is a government not a religion it's a government mixed with religion altogether but it's still a government it's called theocracy look it up so we don't have to treat it like religion it's a it is a government rogue government inside of our government. That's what it is. And that's how we get rid of it right there. And that's why we get rid of it. Speaking of Easter, I just looked out the studio window. There's a white hare outside our window. What's it doing? Eating pine needles. Okay. The Easter bunny is here. (laughs) Good. Leave me some of those Cadbury eggs. Actually, I wish I could just trap him right now and have Hassenpfeffer for dinner. <laughs> All right, now we're going to talk about Passover. From HebrewForChristians.com. I like the name. Passover holiday candles are lit by the eldest women of the house no later than 18 minutes before sundown on Nisan 14. After kindling the candles... She waves her hands over the flames three times, and covering her eyes with her hands, she says, Blessed art thou, Lord God, Master of the universe, who sacrifices us with your commandments. What is this? I'm having problems seeing again, sorry. Master of the universe, who sanctifies us with your commandments and commanded us to kindle the light of the holiday. Now, the other thing that I thought was interesting about this, a woman was doing the blessing. You think a Muslim woman was ever going to be allowed or is allowed to do any blessing anywhere? I don't think so. Exactly. 
This this requires a woman to do it. Yep. Uh, um, you know, my uh, my aunt Jean was my mother. She raised me. Every every Passover, she had we had the candle in the in the window every year for for, for Passover. Even though we're Christians, she lit the candle every day, just like she was supposed to. Uh, prayed over it and everything. My uncle Lou just laughed at her, but uh, yeah, we finally got we finally got an electric one, so it was safer. Because you, know? you put it in the window, then there's curtains behind so, you know, the window shelf, so it, sometimes bad things happen. You know? That was wonderful that she did that. You never told me that. Never came up. That was wonderful. From Shabbat.org. I like Shabbat.org. I'm saying Shabbat, but it's right. Chabad, right? Oh, no. There goes my screen. That's the other thing. We forgot to clean the computer screen. Uh, the eight-day festival of Passover is celebrated in the early spring from the 15th through the 22nd of the Hebrew month of Nisan. It commemorates the emancipation of the Israelites from slavery in ancient Egypt. From what? Slavery. They were slaves? They were slaves for 400 years. You mean before blacks? Well, I don't know before blacks. I don't know when blacks, they were kind of when they didn't know each other. Um, no, I, I think blacks might have been first because it seems like they do nothing but sell their people into slavery. That's what happened. There were no slavers running around netting them like you saw on TV. That's nonsense. But that Kunta Kinti yeah, thing, that was BS. <laughs> no, the Fuzzy Buzzies were especially fond of taking slaves and selling them like they're doing right now. The natives here in America had slaves as well before we even came over here. Oh, yeah, from other, captured from other tribes. Women, horses, yeah. That was their, that was their, that's what their prize was. So yeah, slavery was, uh, seems to be a universal concept. <laughs> and actually Irishmen were slaves over here before uh, blacks because it was more expensive at the time to transfer, to transport from the African continent than it was just to take from Ireland. And that's what yeah, the Brits did. That No, that was indentured servitude. It that was is... also slaves. They also took slaves, yes. Uh, we had five different sources that said so, and it was from Ireland. Really? Yep. Yes, they did. I didn't know how I missed that. They did. That's why they called you, uh, what did they call you when you first came over here? <laughs> Irish. You were treated very badly. Well, we were considered the niggers of, of Europe. That's just what I, I could say because I am, I am second generation American of Irish descent, uh, so I can call my own people niggers if I like. Nobody owns the word, and it didn't. It didn't used to mean a derogatory term to black people. It, it, it turned into some people used it that way, but that's not how it started. And they don't even have a reference left in the dictionary that shows the meaning. Even when I was a kid, forget about before that. It just meant trash, like white trash, black trash, trashy people, you know, low lives, trash. It had nothing to do with skin color. It was just kind of the way someone's people decided to do it because they were, they were Negroes. 
anthropologically, that's I know, what it's you're going to say it again. <laughs> that's their scientific, and yes, this is, they're different than us. They know that. Anthropologically speaking, there's Caucasoids, Negroids, and um, I know, you keep Mongoloids. saying it over and over and over again, almost every show. <laughs> well, because I'm tired of the nonsense in in the in the country in general, and it's one of my pet peeves. I, you know, I just can't stand it. And I don't ever care to hear any black person complain about anything about anything. <laughs> I certainly don't want to hear them talk about slavery reparations since uh, they were never slaves. You know, I... I I can't believe I, they don't understand this. And I, I, I said this to somebody, and believe it or not, it was black. I got through to them. Now, on Twitter? No, it was earlier on in life, oh. personally. Uh, interrupting me, though, is not a great idea. Now, what was I talking about? You were talking about getting the, this notion to someone who was black. You were talking to them. Oh, the... Um, if you think about it. But slavery. And- if you think about it, we did you a favor. If if it wasn't for slavery, no black to be, well, we can't say no. Some might have came here. But no, there wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have been here. You'd still been over there in the continent of Africa worrying about Ebola and stuff uh, with the rest of them. That, that, you wouldn't have been over here. There would be no reason for it. Uh, so really... There's that. And the next thing to be thankful for is, I don't know, maybe 100,000 people that died to free the slaves. Just saying. I think I think we've paid our dues. Hmm? And by the way, they're still selling slaves in Africa today. Taking, selling. Remember the girls were taken for sex slaves? They take the young boys and the pedophiles have their way with them. And then, then when they no longer... They don't look want them. They, they returned them to the village where they stole them from. It's a great place over there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back okay. to Passover. <laughs> and by following... And slavery. <laughs> uh, anyway, we have the ability to relive... Wait, wait, wait. It commemorates the emancipation of the Israelites from slavery in ancient Egypt. And by following the rituals of Passover... We have the ability to relive and experience the true freedom that our ancestors gained. And with that, we got to go to a commercial break. This is the Uncooperative Radio Show. You stay tuned, cause we'll be right back. The Terry O'Brien Show. The Terry O'Brien Show airs live in vivid red, white, and blue. Sundays, 4 to 6 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. I think that most liberals are well-intentioned but misguided. They're like children who have the luxury of believing in the political equivalent of the tooth fairy. They need some tough love. They need a big old healthy dose of common sense and information. And when they get it, the smart ones will become conservative. Strap in for the wild ride with America's original conservative warrior princess. Do you use Viagra or Cialis? Have you been thinking about trying Viagra or Cialis? What if we could promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for Viagra, you're getting taken to the cleaners. Our pill delivers the exact same results for less than $3. We'll do the math for you. You save more than $16 a pill for the same results. 
Want more? We'll give you 40 blue pills or 40 yellow pills for $99 and add four more pills free. You save more than $500. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know what to do next. You need to call 800-764-9168 and get your 44 pills for just $99. Stop overpaying for Viagra. Call us and start saving a ton of money for the exact same results. Ordering is fast and easy with your pills delivered to your door in an unmarked package. Call us right now, 800 764 That's 800-764-9168. Are payday loans ruining your life? Do you want control over your money again? If you have two or more payday loan cash advances, listen closely. You may be eligible for a program payday loan companies don't want you to know about. A program that may help get aggressive and unfair payday loan companies out of your bank account and get you back on track to financial freedom. Payday loan companies may trap you into paying outrageously high interest rates. And they take way too much of your hard-earned money every week. We understand their tactics and know how to keep them off your back. We'll fight hard to help you regain control of your money. If you have two or more payday loan cash advances, call right now for a free consultation. 877-314-2657 If you're struggling to pay or haven't been making your student loan payments, listen carefully to this urgent alert. Have you been out of school for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? Are your student loans past due or even in default? Can't go back to school because of an old student loan problem? We can help you if you qualify. Your student loans can be taken out of default. We can stop the wage garnishments, stop the collection calls, and stop the seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and see if we can help you reduce your student loan payments. One quick 10-minute call could solve them right now. So call the Student Loan Helpline now. 800-215-6813 800-215-6813 This is a fee-based document preparation service to help you access free government programs. Call for complete details not available in all states. Uncooperative radio show. And happy Easter and happy Passover. So, you know, when you think about it, that Passover thing is, you're right. <laughs> that was close. <laughs> uh, you'll hear the story. Uh, after many decades of slavery to the Egyptian pharaohs, decades of slavery, during which time the Israelites were subjected to backbreaking labor and unbearable horrors. God saw the people's distress and sent Moses to Pharaoh with a message. Send forth my people so that they may serve me. But despite numerous warnings, Pharaoh refused to heed God's command. God then sent upon Egypt ten devastating plagues, afflicting them and destroying everything from their livestock to their crops. 
At the stroke of midnight of 15 Nisan in the year 2448, from creation, 1313 BCE, God visited, oh, we're not going to do that again. We're going to have to tell the difference of B.C. and B.C.E. We did the whole segment on that, Brian. I know, I know. <laughs> God visited the last of the ten plagues on the Egyptians, killing all their firstborn. While doing so, God spared the children of Israel, passing over their homes, hence the name of the holiday. Pharaoh's resistance was broken, and he virtually chased his former slaves, out of the land. The Israelites left in such a hurry, in fact, that the bread they baked as provisions for the way uh, did not have time to rise. 600,000 adult males, plus many more women and children, left Egypt on that day and began the trek to Mount Sinai and their birth as God's chosen people. Um, okay. Uh, I'd have to disagree with everything that's said, pretty much. They were... There were there were ten plagues, but they're not listing all of them. They're just kind of saying uh, it was just wiping out their crops well, this, and livestock. This was an extremely simplified explanation because the long version would have taken a whole half an hour. Yeah, I, I know. I've read the Torah, but I figured you'd explain it's it. Not, so. <laughs> but the, the, the last thing is kind of bizarre. But how do you figure that's that's when they became the chosen people? I. I guess because he gave us the Ten Commandments and it was, they consider that when they became the chosen people. I think they were already chosen or why would God have come and freed them? I'm just saying before, before they were slaves, I mean, that's the time of Moses. That's pretty far into, that's pretty much Outside the Torah, even the Torah doesn't go to to that. The Kamash covers um, that time period. So, I at this chosen people. Just remember that uh, they had kings, and long before that, David, Solomon, on and on it goes. Um, they were always the chosen people. So it wasn't at that trek to Mount Sinai that made them the chosen people. That would be an incorrect statement. So it's, the rest of it, I don't mind them glossing over a bunch of plagues, not listing them out, although how long would it take just to list 10 plagues? But anyway, I wouldn't probably want to read it unless it was from the Torah. So we all know that uh, they didn't, he didn't just chase them out. He tried to get them back, right? He changed his mind. And then Moses parted the sea, and they went across, and then the chariots went in, and the sea closed in upon them. There's the, there's another explanation in the Torah. It's a little much deeper, uh, but it takes it takes much more time to learn pretty much the same message. I mean, it's not like the Bible gives us the wrong message completely. It gives a pl- plenty of good uh, messages in the Old Testament. It's just sometimes they're not the message that was originally intended. Uh, I think. Uh, Glenn Beck even did that on TV once. And I think the, the rabbi was talking about the Tower of Babel and how in the Bible it's all the tower, about the building of the Tower of Babel and him going to the top so he could shoot an arrow in his eye, in God's eye, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
But it actually, it's completely different because it has to do, again, they ha- you have to know the Hebrew alphabet. You have to know what, what each letter stands for. But it, it was more about keeping people together, bringing people together, the mortar. And, well, uh, yeah, I Google bo- it. Google I, it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I bore myself. I, I'm not going to do this. I bore myself doing this. All right, uh, let's go for the ups and downs for the week, and I can take this ch- chafing collar off around my neck. Uh, no, you can't. Uh, <laughs> you're not. Who getting came away. up with the idea that you have to wear that stuff anyway? You're not getting away with it. This is a very holy weekend. You're an interfaith minister, and you got to keep it on. <clears throat> okay. Down from the ass, O'Shaded Press. As the April 15 tax deadline nears, people who got help paying for health insurance under President Caesar Barakas Obama's law were seeing the direct effect on their refunds. Hundreds of dollars for better or worse. The law offers tax credits so people without access to job-based health insurance can buy private coverage because the subsidies are tied to income. Consumers must accurately estimate what they will make for the coming year. That's been a challenge for millions of people, and it shouldn't be that way. It should be reversed, except it's the IRS that treat it like taxes. Uh, It should be based on what you made the previous year. See, that's already on record. (laughs) There, see, this is stupid. I have to guess how much I'm going to make? What are your drugs? Guess on the low side, get more help now with premiums, but owe money later at filing time. Overestimate income, expect bucks back from the tax man. Many consumers may not, oh, by the way, that really, it's from you. Many consumers may not have understood that is how it works when they signed up. Some experts caution that such complications could discourage uninsured people from getting covered. Rob Tuck of Dublin, California, said he had anticipated a refund of about $400 on his 2014 taxes. But that almost has been wiped out because he had to repay some of the subsidy. He changed jobs during the year and his income went up a little. How about people like me that have jobs where you can do overtime whenever you want and you just never know how much you're going to make in a year till, till the end? You know, what overtime is available when it's not? When you don't want to do it because you're going to go into a new tax bracket. <laughs> See what I, that complicated things start getting with these tax brackets? I used to have to watch how much overtime I did on my ambulance. Uh, so I didn't end up, because it happened to me once. I got a paycheck. I did all this overtime. And I got a paycheck that was smaller than my regular paycheck because of all the taxes they took out of it. Because you do a lot of overtime in one one week they have to calculate that out by 52 weeks to tax you. That's how they make them tax you. It's all nonsense. It's all illegal. It's supposed to be a flat tax. Equal protection under the law. Beat them up with it. They love to use it. Equal protection under the law. Anyway, back to these poor saps that are going to be... Well, they wanted this. They want government, nanny state, everything. And look at the... Who, who, you know, I'm so glad I've, I'm way past the time I ever cared about how much of a refund I'm going to get from the tax man. 
Uh, it's all my money. I'd rather they not have it for a year. They don't give me interest. I'm not happy when I have money come back. So I tried not to do that too. And I, and I ended up underestimating. And then you guessed it. I had to pay him money and I didn't mind that. I was okay with me. I prefer it that way. I'll pay whatever's left on the 15th of April. You know, I keep my money and using it for a year. Uh, but then the tax man said, uh-uh, you, you pay, you, this is paying your taxes late. By paying it on time, April 15th, I was paying it late because I was supposed to pay it as I went. And I didn't pay enough as I went. And therefore, I had a fine as well, and interest as well as having to pay the extra money. Yeah, this is a great idea, progressives. You're a bunch of idiots. Only only progs could think of something this ridiculous. It's, some people got to be laughing at us around the world. I think this is cute because you think you're getting a subsidy and you got to pay it back. So that you're not getting anything. You're still paying this high cost. And, of course, you, we had to pass the bill before reading it. All this lovely minutia it was in it. And how, I bet you none of the congressmen that even signed this damn bill. They didn't read it. They had no idea this, this was This was crafted in. with the health insurance companies behind closed doors. And what did we uh, just hear on Glenn Beck today? They're doing the same thing when they're doing the subsidies for housing. They're taking it out of their taxes, their oh, tax yeah, return. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, yep, yep, 50%. They're taking health care, and they're taking that out of their tax return when they put it in. 50%. Is there reason to yell? 50% of uh, those people, if you're one of them out there, that got money for, you know, bailing you out of your mortgage situation. Uh, I've got tar- no, harp, 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 I think. Tarp and harp. Wow. Um, yeah, about 50% are having to pay it back because of some kind of thing they missed in, in the wording of a clause in this giant monstrosity. So people that went for that and got their mortgages taken care of, they didn't lose their house. Now they got to pay a whole bunch more money. The government does nothing well. Except cause misery, as you can see. How many mis- how much misery has they caused already with this Obamacare nonsense? It's not even fully implemented yet. This is nothing. And it's already like this. We must repeal Obamacare. And as you figured out, those elites up there, the leaders of the party on the Republican side, have no interest in repealing Obamacare. I wonder why. Because they secretly want the same things. They're one party. It's all a dance. It's all for your entertainment. It's nothing but circus and bread. It's a very important reference when I say that. You should look up circus and bread. Anyway, so poor Tuck, who works for a San Francisco area tech support company, said he enrolled to avoid tax penalties for being uninsured, but feels penalized anyway now. I was expecting to get dinged a little bit, but I was actually kind of surprised when it came down that much, he said. Well, this you're... 
yours would be pretty better than the housing thing, which I think is a $750. So I don't know. Uh, that number was thrown around for something. I can't remember what off the top of my head. It, it, this government is not legal. It's not, that is not the government of the constitution. That is the, there is no constitution left in that government. Absolutely nothing they do anymore. And I used to say taxes till I realized that progressive income tax is against the law. And please, I do not want a consumption tax, nor a balanced budget that ties funding the government to GDP. Because if my plan works, the government will end up so small and infinitesimal that they couldn't spend 20% of GDP. But if you give them that money, they'll try and find a way to spend it. Of course, there's no way constitutionally for them to do it. and They'd have to return it to the people. Anyway. Oh, it's an up. It's a history up. What's that, like a hiccup? From World Net Daily, um, The Man Without a Country was a classic novel written by Edward Everett Hale who was born April the 3rd, 1822. It was loosely based around Aaron Burr, who had been vice president under Thomas Jefferson. Aaron Burr turned the social club Tammany Hall into the infamous New York political machine. He founded the Bank of the Manhattan Company, which was later absorbed into the Chase Manhattan Bank. Aaron Burr killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel. Well, you forgot Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr created the first bank of the New of New York, which became the first bank of the United States of America, all because Hamilton convinced Washington that there were implied powers in the Constitution. Of course, Washington knew that wasn't true. He wanted to do it anyway, so he did. That's his ding from his presidency. Um, that's the one ding I found that. He he let us down. He did the wrong thing. It was unconstitutional, as Madison and Jefferson explained to him. But he chose Adam and Hamilton's explanation of implied powers. That was the first nail in the coffin of the United States Constitution. The second being something he also had a hand in, which would have been the Midnight Judges and Marbury v. Madison, where the courts didn't even have... Uh, which they admit they didn't even have jurisdiction to hear the case. So while they were hearing the case, they weren't hearing. And while Marshall was the chief justice who caused the problem in the first place when he was secretary of state, should have recused himself, he decided he was going to take the right of judicial rule for the Supreme Court and absolute appellate for the court because the court didn't have enough power and Hamilton's boys are all about centralizing power. So right there was the beginning of the end. Marbury B. Madison and applied powers under Washington for the first bank of the United States of America. That was, that was the beginning of the end. They, they, by doing that, they broke the constitution. They, they broke it. The Constitution was a carefully balanced document. You can't change one part of it without it falling apart. So, that's where we find ourselves today. But, 
like I always say, Aaron Burr didn't kill Hamilton soon enough. Uh, somebody should have called. It would have been nice if they killed each other because Aaron Burr was his own kind of pain. So uh, he was indicted on charges of conspiracy and treason for attempting to take control over some of the Louisiana territory in Mexico. Aaron Burr fled the United States and lived in Europe for several years. Yes, he raised an army. He went to Texas, I think, to raise an army. He was going to create his own country. He was a bit crazy. Well, I've got cold in here all of a sudden. What, are you holding the door open again? You're killing me here. All right. He was indicted on charges of conspiracy and treason. Aaron Burr fled, and he lived in Europe for several years. In the novel, A Man Without a Country, 1863, Edward Everett Hale created a fictitious character named Philip Nolan, who supposedly met Aaron Burr and joined in the conspiracy. When arrested and convicted of treason, Philip Nolan exclaimed, D-N? The United- oh, damn the United States. What, you can't? This person must, is this person Jewish too? They can't write damn or God? Um, I wish I may never hear the United States again. The judge ordered Philip Nolan's wish fulfilled that for the rest of his life he would sail the world's seas on Navy ships and never set foot or hear the name of his former country again. Sailors were forbidden to discuss or even mention the United States to Philip Nolan. Toward the end of the novel, Edward Everett Hale wrote that a visitor met Philip Nolan, but he could not stand it long. He beckoned me down into our boat. He said to me, Youngster, let that show you what it is to be without a family, without a home, without a country. And if you are ever tempted to say a word or do a thing that shall put a bar between you and your family, your home and your country, pray God in his mercy to take you that instant home to his own heaven. Stick by your family, boy, and for the country, boy, and the world's rattled in his throat, and for that flag he pointed to the ship. Never dream a dream without serving her as she bids you. Though the service carry you through a thousand hells, no matter what happens to you, no matter who flatters you or abuses you, Never look at another flag. Never let a night pass, but you pray God to bless that flag. Remember, boy, the country herself, your country, and that you belong to her as you belong to your own mother. Stand by her, boy, as you would stand by your mother. If those devils there had got hold of her today. Isn't that wonderful? Don't you wish that we could, that people were telling our children this? They're they're telling they're teaching them not to you know pledge allegiance to the flag or pledge allegiance to our country, and he learned his lesson. That's why this is a history up, because he learned his lesson. It's not over, but we have to go to a break. This is the Uncooperative Radio Show. You stay tuned, cause we'll be right back. Since 2003, Crutchfield and Toshiba, their employees, and the Charlottesville, Virginia community have made it possible to send portable DVD players, DVDs, 
MP3 players, and digital cameras for the Bringing Relief and Video Overseas, also known as Bravo. This is the way that these companies and communities are thanking our armed forces for their service and sacrifice, and to let their loved ones at home know that their sacrifice is appreciated. What have you done for our soldiers lately? To find out more about the program, log on to crutchfield.com and do a search for Bravo. This has been a public service announcement from the Uncooperative Radio Show. And now, a word from our founding fathers. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its power in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Read the Constitution. After all, it was written for you. Hi, I'm Stuart Shepard. This is Stoplight. If you change a light bulb, you get a new light. If you change a tire, you get a new tire. If you change a baby, you keep the baby, you get a new diaper. Right? That's right. But now you can apparently run for president without knowing how to make change. You understand that in this election, the greatest risk we can take is to try the same old politics with the same old players and expect a different result. The change we need doesn't come from Washington. Change comes to Washington. Leon Panetta, Obama's pick for CIA, was chief of staff under Bill Clinton. The same old politics. Rahm Emanuel, Obama's chief of staff, was a senior advisor under Bill Clinton. With the same old players. Robert Reich, one of Obama's economy gurus, was Secretary of Labor under Bill Clinton. The same old politics. Eric Holder, Obama's pick for Attorney General, was Deputy Attorney General under Bill Clinton. Carol Browner, Obama's global warming guru, ran the EPA under Bill Clinton. Susan Rice, Obama's pick for the UN, was an Assistant Secretary of State under Bill Clinton. The same old politics with the same old players. Ironically, one person who did not have any truly official position in the Clinton administration is Obama's pick for Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton. I can't wait to see what hope means. We built this city. You didn't build that. We built this city on rock and roll. You didn't build that. We built this city on rock and roll. That's the reason I'm running for president, because I still believe in that idea. You didn't build that. You didn't build that. Whoops. Uh, there is no cause for alarm. We have everything under control, uh, uh, because we know that something from nothing leaves something, because you got to have something to run an economy. 
something from nothing means something. Obama, 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 Obama. I left that girl, Clinton. What's her name? Since I met you, my life has hope and change. President, I expect to be judged and should be judged by the results of this program. Breaking news: the uh, May jobs report just came out, and the numbers are not good. So the unemployment rate went up 40 consecutive months of 8% unemployment or more. Government payroll is down 13,000. Construction down 28,000. 300,000 more long-term unemployed. The U.S. saw the smallest increase in jobs in a year. Any way you slice it, uh, looks like last summer all over again. Practically nothing about this report that was positive. Well, this is Obama's economy. That's fine. Give it to me. Okay, and welcome back to the Uncooperative Radio Show. Okie dokie, okie for dokie. What are we doing now? Oh, that's right. We're still with. Uh... The ups and downs. Aaron Burr. <laughs> huh. What a what a what a duo they were. Hamilton and Burr. Actually, the names go together, don't they? Edward Everett Hale was the grand nephew of revolutionary hero Nathan Hale. He entered Harvard at the age of thirteen and later taught at the Boston Latin School. Edward Everett Hale published over fifty books opposed slavery, and was pastor of Boston's South Congregational Church for 45 years. In 1903, he became chaplain of the United States Senate. Oh, that cha- separation of church and state, I tell you, there's still a chaplain today. Edward Everett Hale wrote, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I should do, and with the help of God, I will do. I like that. Isn't that a good one? That's a good up. I, I thought you'd get. I thought you would love this because it had history in it. I like it. I I don't think he could have wrote down Edward Everett Hell anymore. Do you? <laughs> uh, and please. God, we don't need to stop the global warming. We're, we have enough. Yeah, it's coming down up here on the mountain. Oh, Lovely. talking about it down. From Valley News Live. Walmart was ranked at the bottom of the pile in Consumer Reports' annual supermarket survey, tying with A&P and wall bombs. All three retailers earned 64 points, the lowest out of more than 60 supermarket chains that were ranked based on almost 63,000 responses to the magazine survey. The abysmal rating for Walmart came at a time when the retailer is struggling with poor consumer perception and lagging sales, 
which have sent shares down 6% so far this year. Walmart is responding by putting pressure on suppliers to cut costs, hoping to regain consumers through low prices. But Consumer Report notes that customers already score Walmart higher on price, while it's suffering in almost every other category, ranging from service to the quality of produce. Okay, now, as an avid Walmart shopper... Oh, you didn't tell him that. No, you didn't. <laughs> I did. And our house has wheels. You didn't say the... You didn't say the correct term for it, for Walmart. The Walmart. The Walmart, right. I thought you would just do it right automatically in the beginning. I thought about it. I just didn't do it. The Walmart. I can tell you that their quality of food has gone down. The, the, The onions are horrible. The garlic is horrible. They have a small selection. I mean, I used to go in and they'd have a huge bin of garlic. It's like cut in half. But you remember Walmart, didn't they partner with Mama Obama? Yes, they did. And since then, that was like two years ago or three, or was it in his first term or her first term? Because now, of course, she's part of the of the uh, she's, part of the Congress. How uh, I don't know how she got in charge of anything. But since and it's been a couple of years since then. Yes, Walmart quality has gone down. There was one time I walked in there, and they had a sign saying, "We have no bananas. We are working with the ba- banana produce, the pro- pro- uh, what do you call it, um, producer, to re- you know rectify the situation." But as of now, we don't have any bananas. Which, I mean, I don't care because actually we shouldn't have all this stuff <laughs> year no, round. We should have what we can grow. That's a, locally. That's what we should have. Um, we'd be a lot better off if we'd. Stop just treating our food like it's a commodity and you just take it all, dump it in the market with everybody else's, and then we, we pull from that pool. We should, why do I send beef out of the country right. and then import beef to my country? Exactly. And why are we getting tomatoes from Mexico? We got a tomato growers right. here. But the quality of the customer, the, um, the staff, at least for our particular Walmart, is very high. They are really good. I mean, they'll help you anything you need. They're there. So it's pretty much like that everywhere in town, though. Yeah, they're we're real. Well, we're small, so we're good. And most of the people know each other. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows everybody. That's a that's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Yeah, because you know you grow up there. They know everything you did wrong growing up. <laughs> it, it just you, you don't get to start new. They know you. They, they know all about you. So you can never get rid of that. You can never live it down. But I do agree with this, saying that their quality of their, their, at least their produce, has gone really down bad. So where do you get produce now? No, I have, I'm still getting it from Walmart. I just have to pick through everything. Oh. It's just a little bit more difficult. But, and again, the supply is down too. How many times have I come home, come back and said they don't have this? You know, Walmart, the Walmart's going to start turning into the Cuba. Because that's what, that's what it's like in Cuba. They get all everything for free. Food, all, everything's free. You got to go to the commie store, where everything's free. Only problem is all all the shelves are empty. There's there's nothing to, there's nothing to get. There's, they don't have any. Yeah, you said that last show. But again, they're in bed with the Obama administration, right? And, and a lot of these companies are. And you're going to see Cuba it, because it's the, the Cuban thing. government. Yep. The stupid nonsense of redistributing food and uh, etc. This is what always happens. This always ends up with shortages. Uh, because there's only so much to go around when it comes to food at any given time. Uh, 
we do have all we need here in the United States of America, but that isn't so in every country of the world. In fact, more so than not, it's not true. But, yeah, I think Walmart made a mistake by teaming up with the government now. It thought it was going to make a ton of money, but it's it's, gonna, it's costing them a ton of money, and uh, and they're losing they're losing shoppers, shoppers that can afford to go to Kmart over Walmart or go to Kmart, as long as they have good service. I would do the same. In fact, I prefer if we shopped at Kmart, but Kmart's more expensive than Walmart, right? Yeah, and they don't have you know the. They don't. Have, it's Kmart is still a. It's not a grocery store like Walmart is. They do have some like milk, and they are starting to do that. But it's not a grocery store. It's not a grocery chain. That's true. Well, Walmart didn't start that way either. Walmart didn't always have food. As far as I knew, it did. Oh no! When it first came out, they didn't have any food. It just added it. Um. Once they figured it out, and figured out they could make money by adding that. The customers they already have would would go to that, you know, to get their supermarket, and it worked for them. And don't forget their super centers and all that. You know, all everything can't grow forever. I don't know why, how to explain this to people that have been brought up in this weird economy, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's the stuff. Just it's natural. It, you can't. All right. Here's a good example. If you're going to tie our economy forever to housing prices, I mean, or not even that. To how many homes are being built every year? Because that's one of the indicators of the economy. How how many buildings can we build? How many houses can we house? We're running out of land. Where are we going to put them? I guess we're all just going to have to live in, in skyscrapers, huh? Well, that, that's what the UN wants anyway. So, and I have nothing against the Walmart. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, they don't do, they don't pay enough. My backside, they pay great. And as a matter of fact, I don't, numerous people that wanted to work for Walmart here, they like it. It's a good job. They're also picky. They really are. They are picky about who they hire. They are. (laughs) They didn't hire my friend. They didn't hire. Didn't hire my daughter either. This is starting to sound bad. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Anyway, the new Walmart CEO on keeping company competitive. This year, the nation's largest grocer, the primary shopping destination for 10% of those surveyed, earned low marks in every category other than price, the magazine noted. Walmart Supercenter gets some of the lowest scores for freshness. I will Even say- though they have signs up that says freshness. I will say one thing. Um, everybody's a little bit upset about them constantly changing the store around. Yes. I mean, it's unbelievable. There was one time I went in there. I had absolutely no... And it wasn't just me. We're wandering around aimlessly. All the shoppers going, where is everything? <laughs> because they completely revamped it. And they just did it again this year. I'm but, like, no, you're not going to change it again. They always, they always change it. And, and in between those times, they move certain things around. Because they're trying to get you push a product on you, get you into a different place than you want to go, so that you can see products that they want you to buy. No, I just, this was a, a, an employee told me all about it. He said this is just one of the things they do to try and trick consumers into getting something they didn't intend on getting. 
I don't know why they still do it because it's done nothing but piss everybody off. Because you want to go, you don't want to wander around aisles all day. No, you don't. Who has time for that? (laughs) And I'm pretty fast going in there, and that just slows me down. (laughs) That's like when your daughter was taking me for errands yesterday. She's like, I'm just going to stay in the car. Because she can't keep up with me. So then we went to Albertsons. I said, you can come in with the Albertsons with me. She's like, okay. (laughs) Otherwise, she just can't keep up with me. I'm in, I'm out, I'm done. I hate shopping. I always have. Except if it's a thrift store. I love thrift stores. That's why we send her to do the shopping. Because <laughs> I like to shop. Uh, I'm a typical guy. I'm always drawn to the hardware section. I could use a new drill and a circular saw. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the survey is only for Walmart super centers and doesn't include the company's local neighborhood market chain. Smaller stores that are primarily geared to selling groceries in urban centers. Oh, the you mean they're in urban centers? Walmart's in urban centers? I don't know. That's the desert she was talking about. Mom Obama. They got food into the desert. There was a Walmart in the ghetto when I was there. There was no, no big ch- nothing. There were no stores, period, really, except mom and pop. Yeah, and look what they did. They hooked up. It's crony capitalism, and they're going to push all those mom and pops out. out. Right. And they're going to end up... Because there was was produce there. I can attest to that. If you want... They don't eat it, everybody, but they have fresh produce in every bodega and every corner in the city. And some of them, you know, some of them have a bit... They're bigger, and they have a whole section outside and aisles of produce there's food in the in the urban centers people eat and thanks to you know food stamps they can pay but now walmart comes in and they're going to play like this they're they're trying to they're sacrificing their stores trying to do this urban thing it's obvious and it's going to collapse on them if they keep this up uh, maybe they'll only be in the urban centers quote unquote urban centers why do they why do people say that why do you, why do you call it urban the whole the whole city is urban uh, urban development as for a comment walmart said a remark that chief executive doug mcmillan made at an investors meeting in october that acknowledges the retailer has room for improvement sometimes people ask me what will it take to grow a business that's almost $500 billion? In fact, one of you asked me last night, and my answer is, I don't know how to do that, but every store I go, go in has room to improve. McMillan said, I mean, I can take you to stores right now and take your yellow pad, and we can walk out of that store with a list of things that we can do better. And if we nail those one store at a time, our short-term performance gets better in Walmart U.S. At the Walmart. At the Walmart. Well, I I need the Walmart, so stop messing around the urban side. I don't care. They already have fruit. You're going to put bodegas out of business. Yeah, they're going to be working for the Walmart. Yeah. Instead of owning their own store, they're going to be working for the Walmart. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> would surprise me. Now, well, I was very, very, very upset when Mom Obama and her, all her 
disgusting glory was standing in front of a pro and she did it was in front of the produce aisle <laughs> with the signs of oh walmart and i they were cooperating you know with me with my food program who the heck is she to tell me what to eat i don't know but we had and you told me we had better produce before she started we that. did see i saw i am seeing the decline taking the food away from whitey and putting it into the ghetto that's what's going on and it, that's a big thing here because we're landlocked. Everything comes by truck, so we don't have a great selection of stuff, and the prices aren't that good either. Um, but we can't afford to start losing it more and more. I mean, everyone here is going to have to start growing their own garlic and onions, I guess. I'm planning on it this year. Yeah, they'll find another way to uh, stop us from that because we cannot be independent. Oh, we don't have the right to decide what we eat. That's already been decided by some prog judge. I don't remember which district it was in, but he literally said that in his opinion. We do not have a right to choose what we eat. Wait, what the hell are you talking about? How can I not have the right to choose what? I don't even understand his argument. How can I not have the right to choose what I eat? What, how, what is wrong with him? How is that possible? <laughs> Unless there's no choice to be made, I have a choice. Right? There you go. But you can't have raw whatever, milk and I forget what the produce was about. And uh, yeah, you don't have a right to take that. The law says you can't sell raw milk. Well, it's on the constitutional law. What do I care? That's when you need to have this, like you said, take your states back. <laughs> right. And I hate to break it to you. You might have to start a garden, so you might want to, you know, start boning up on it. It could be a good time to start at spring. Well, yeah. <laughs> as we where look, you are, not where we are. <laughs> as I look out our studio window. Actually, this is what spring is like. It's, it's always snowing so hard. <laughs> it always does this in the spring. As long as it's we not just, a three, four, four foot dump, I'm happy. We just got the truck back. <laughs> I'll get it out. <laughs> anyway, I got to push a button. Well, then push a button. Obamacare. Greetings, comrade. And what would you do for Obamacare? Well, yes, you. Would you talk your mother into taking these federally subsidized pills in place of her upcoming bypass surgery? Sure. Hey, Ma, I got great news. You don't got to go to the hospital after all. Just take these here pills and you'll be better in no time. What would you do for Obamacare? Greetings, comrade. What would you do for Obamacare? Eh, beats me. Would you leave your children hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt? Mm, yeah, why not? Hi, sign here. And here. And here. What would you do for Obamacare? Greetings, comrade. What would you do for Obamacare? Comrade, would you publicly denounce the Republican Party and all it stands for? What? Would you agree to be bussed at government expense to a protest rally in front of Rush Limbaugh's home and walk around waving a sign that says Rush to Fascism? You're kidding me, right? Would you be willing to dress up like Hitler and attend the next sex day of tea party in your area? Mister, if you don't walk away from me right now, I'm gonna beat the shit. What would you do for Obamacare? Greetings, comrade. What would you do for Obamacare? Me? Well, hell, I do just about anything. Would you tear up the U.S. Constitution? You bet I would. Here you go. 
Greetings, Comrade. What would you do for Obamacare? Obamacare? Would you agree to donate your organs to medical science at the moment of your death? Uh, well, sure, I mean, if it might help save lives, I... What would you do for Obamacare? Okay, thank you, Dark Prince. D-A-R-C-P-R-Y-N-C-E. Uh, check out his YouTube channel. Okay, banana. Where were we? Oh, the Walmart. So sorry, Walmart. We're moving on. Medical madness. And this maybe the Second Amendment meets the feds. We'll do it. It's doable. All right. A medical madness from CNSNews.com. Trying to avert what some clinicians are calling the most antibiotic era. The White House has declared war on three antibiotic-resistant superbugs. Oh no, did he draw a red line in the sand again? Drug-resistant bacteria have caused 23,000 deaths and more than 2 million illnesses in the U.S., according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I love when they added prevention. Last Friday, President Obama released his National Action Plan for Combating Antibiotic-Resistant Bacteria with the ambitious goal of reducing inappropriate antibiotic use by 50% in outpatient settings and by 20% in inpatient settings over the next five years. Under the National Action Plan, all acute care hospitals in the nation will be required to improve their infection control rates while simultaneously reducing the use of commonly prescribed antibiotics whose overuse is blamed for the rise of drug-resistant strains. It's true. By 2020, the House hopes to slash in half the infection rate of three superbugs currently listed by the CDC as urgent threats to public health. Eleven other antibiotic-resistant bacteria, including methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, or MRSA, also known as flesh-eating bacteria, which are currently classified as serious public health hazards, are also targeted. To achieve this goal, President Caesar Brox Obamas included $1.2 billion in funding, double the current level in his FY 2016 budget fiscal year. Um, there's nothing in the Constitution that allows for the CDC or the government to tell us we have to get injected. Now, it's complicated because of the nonsense that's, that went on with it. it, it these, these, these shots are a good thing. Uh, but there's there's one thing that I didn't know they were doing. There, if you get if they say they want to give you the MMR, that's when they've mixed three viruses together. Don't ever do that. That that's just asking for trouble. See, I didn't. I just found out about this today, but uh, it's important. So what are we gonna do? You know, one, what are we gonna do without the CDC? 
Someone tell me. What has the CDC actually done for us? <laughs> Just saying. Now, I remember I had to get my shots. I know I like to say it like we're dogs. <laughs> we get our shots. Well, I got the MMR shot vaccine well, back we all, in the day. We all did back in the day. And that's why there's... It's linked to a couple of a couple of things, autism being one of them, actually. Uh, so it wasn't that thing in the vaccines that were causing pro- all kinds of problems, febrile seizures too. It was the fact that they were putting three viruses together, and you know, they're still doing it. The CDC hasn't even caught on to this stupidity. Well, what is why is the government getting involved in this? That's my question. Well, they they have no legal right to get involved in it, but they, they it's all unconstitutional. So that just think about that for a minute. It's just all unconstitutional, and it's ruining our lives, and it's getting worse. We're quickly coming up onto the shoals, and we're gonna run. We're gonna run this ship aground. This this is amazing. The the what they're getting away with. Like again, they were smart. They picked a black man to be president. I'm telling you, they did it just because they knew that he could get away with stuff that white president never could. I think they've that, been calling us what? They've been calling us racist, racist. since he got in yep. there. If you disagree with him, you're a racist. I think this has to do with Obamacare. Actually, I really do. I think that what they did with Obamacare is they looked at every single aspect of it and how they could affect our lives, and they made a list. And then they, they and in the list, well, okay, because of Obamacare, this is going to come out. We're gonna we're gonna manipulate the hospitals. We're gonna manipulate just out of Obamacare because they could always go back and say it's in the law. Because there's no, we've always had, and it is a major problem having these infections. Yeah. But why is the government getting involved now? Well, because it's a public health issue, and they've they've created all these ministries of health up there. That's why. Not more ways to spend your money on things they have no business doing. But no, nobody should tell you have to inoculate your children. Uh, I would want to be inoculated, but one thing at a time, please. Your immune system can only take so much. It's best to do one at a time, even if it has to be over a period of a year. Tell that to the military. That was the only thing about boot camp I really hated when I had to get my shots. You, You sit there in line and you just forever walk towards these two people with air guns in their hand and they just pop you right in the shoulder with them next because there's no needle that uses air. See, and again, I'm, I'm going back over the beginning of the article. President Obama has a national action plan for combating antibiotic-resistant bacteria because they want to get rid of antibiotics and, and make it harder to get them because it's going to make cheaper the health care under the health, Obamacare. Well, there's all kinds of decisions going to be made based on what's going to help keep costs down in Obamacare because that's going to be like a full-time job. 
This thing is this See, thing right is now. a monster taking over. We are we're not you are, we're not England, ladies and gentlemen. We're a lot bigger. We have a lot more people in this country. We this is a completely different world. Well, and I hate to go, and this stuff doesn't work here. And I hate to go, you know, because I know you went through this, but I had to run and do errands <laughs> because it says inappropriate antibiotic use by fifty percent in outpatient settings and by twenty percent in inpatient settings. So he's going. Who is going to say who's it's inappropriate? Who's going to decide that? Oh, some government bureaucrat, and then the doctors, based on the way they tell doctors what they can prescribe and what they can't prescribe. Uh, you said control this. Was, they control you everything. You said this was coming down the pike, and that's why we went with the animals, the antibiotics for animals. Yep. You you told everybody this like two years ago. Yeah. They were going to do this. If it wasn't through the FDA, it was going to be through Obamacare. Yep. Was obvious, but I don't know. They say the money we used to establish programs in all fifty states. It's a good thing Obama's not right in this because be, there'd be more states. Then. Fifty-seven. Thank you. That closely monitor drug-resistant infections and provide technical assistance for combating them to healthcare facilities, including hospitals and nursing homes, where most drug-resistant infections occur. Okay, this is a states' right issue as well. Yes, it is, and if it was. This wouldn't be happening if the government wasn't in the, in our healthcare business, and it has been for a long time. These places would be havens for infections because they'd have the money to properly keep the place clean. One of the things that you have to do in a hospital, and no one ever talks about this, you have to clean the air ducts. They have stuff that they could shoot through the air ducts. You only had closed down for a couple of days, cleans the whole thing out. And that's what needs to happen. On a regular basis. It's expensive. But that's where they're growing. Uh, in the air ducts is where all this stuff is growing, and that's where you're picking it up in the hospital. I don't want to go to the hospital with a broken leg and come out with flesh-eating bacteria. <laughs> I don't think anybody does. But there might be someone out there that's always wanted to be eaten alive by bacteria. You know, I always say there's always, always something or someone in the world. So anyway, I don't know how they're going to do this other than restrict people having them at all. They should have taken it out of hand lotion is what they should have done. There should be no antibacterial uh, hand washing soap that uses any of the antibiotics. Because that's just abusing it. You don't need, All you need is soap and water, by the way. But if you don't have soap and water hand, you're paranoid. Carry around some of that stuff uh, with it has alcohol in the hand wipe, not not antibiotics, and it kills what's ever on your hands. And you can wash your hands with it, and it won't hurt anything because it's just you know alcohol and water, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, all right, so noting that antibiotics have been a critical public health tool since the discovery of penicillin in 1928. You know, again the these antibiotics and, and these uh, inoculations, they saved millions of lives, honest to God. And we should think about that before we throw out the baby with the bathwater. All, all inoculations aren't bad. Some are good. But you should be able to pick and choose of your own wishes. But like I said, I would space them out as far as possible, just one 
And then, you know, I'm, I often wonder if my disease wasn't triggered when they shot all that stuff in me. That's a good point. Those two air guns, they were both full of a cocktail of stuff that we had to get, you know, our shots in case we got deployed. Good point. And then they gave me yellow fever. I had to get a yellow fever shot because I was being deployed. And I ended up with yellow fever. But we have to go to a commercial break. So uh, this is the Uncooperative Radio Show. You stay tuned because we'll be right back. If you are successful at what you do, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a business owner, or you have a great career, you understand the concept of protecting yourself. Well, are you protecting yourself, your family, and your assets with quality term life insurance? Consider these possible rates. A man age 45 non-tobacco user could obtain $1 million of coverage for as little as $75 a month. And this rate is fixed for the next 10 years. We specialize in policy of $500,000 and above. A man age 50, non-tobacco user, may be able to obtain $500,000 of coverage for as little as $115 a month. And this rate is fixed for the next 20 years. We have great rates for smokers, too. Call the Term Lifeline now. 800-430-1891-800-430-1891-800-430-1891. Support the Uncooperative Radio Show and earn extra money at the same time. All for only $5 one time. Unleash an unstoppable flood of $5 payments paid instantly to you directly to your account. Visit this website for all the details. www.thegenesisteam.com forward slash UR. And that's all small letters, guys. www.thegenesisteam.com forward slash UR. The Auto Cash Robot just launched worldwide. Receive multiple $5 payments over and over and over again, paid instantly and directly to you. www.thegenesisteam.com forward slash UR. And again, make sure all lowercase letters in that website address. TheGenesisTeam.com forward slash UR. Go there now. You'll be glad you did. The path to restoring our republic was laid down by our founding fathers. The principles of freedom, liberty, personal responsibility, and limited government are conservative ideals we will never abandon. America is listening. Grassroots. Common sense. Conservative talk radio. It's on the internet. Tune in now. Red State Talk Radio. Featuring some of the most popular internet talk show hosts in America today. Are you listening? RedStateTalkRadio.com. Do you use Viagra or Cialis? Have you been thinking about trying Viagra or Cialis? What if we could promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for Viagra, you're getting taken to the cleaners. Our pill delivers the exact same results for less than $3. We'll do the math for you. You save more than $16 a pill for the same results. Want more? 
We'll give you 40 blue pills or 40 yellow pills for $99 and add four more pills free. You save more than $500. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know what to do next. You need to call 800-764-9168 and get your 44 pills for just $99. Stop overpaying for Viagra. Call us and start saving a ton of money for the exact same results. Ordering is fast and easy with your pills delivered to your door in an unmarked package. Call us right now, 800-764-9168. 800-764-9168. That's 800-764-9168. Back to the Uncooperative Radio Show. All righty then. So they're taking our antibiotics away. If you liked your antibiotic, you could you keep, keep your, your antibiotic. antibiotic. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> yeah, we can't keep. Look, let me just tell you the real truth now. You can't keep anything. If you read some of his executive orders, he's given them the power to take everything in a state of emergency. Your food, your water, your housing, your clothes, anything. They want it, they got they can take it. Where does this power come from? Nowhere that I could no legal document that I could find. Uh just because they do it because you let them get to this point that's why I'm to blame too so noting that antibiotics have critical didn't I already do that yeah penicillin penicillin yeah the White House warned that the emergence of drug resistance in bacteria is undermining our ability to treat bacterial infections and perform a range of modern medical procedures including chemotherapy, surgery, dialysis, and organ transplantation. And what did they do about Ebola? Nothing. Brought it here. Some place it never existed before. And they they brought it here. And they were hoping that it would cause an outbreak, and then they could declare martial law. Look, I know it sounds crazy, but this this whole administration and everything they're doing is crazy. I will not put anything past them. They were... Pulling, they are shoving everything they possibly could to collapse us. They're gonna, they're throwing everything but the kitchen sink at us because they're near their end game. It's right; they can taste it, and suddenly it appears they might not get it because this tea party thing. Where did this tea party thing come from? What dang tea baggers? Uh, unbelievable. I, it, it's hard, you know. When you get your head in history too much, you, you get a little depressed when you realize what has been taken from you that we don't have anymore. But we'll get it back. The Na- National Action Plan's top five goals are to slow the emergence of resistant bacteria and strengthen national surveillance efforts. Develop rapid and innovative diagnostic tests that distinguish between viral and bacterial infections. 
accelerate basic and applied research for new antibiotics and improve international collaboration. What the heck are they talking about? This giving away uh, antibiotics like they were candy came from the AMA. That was a way because people complain if they get a cold and they come see the doctor and you tell them, okay, well, they'll take two aspirin and call me in the morning. They, that wasn't good enough. That they didn't feel like they they got enough for the for the money they spent. So just give them this, <laughs> give them antibiotics, even if it's a viral infection. And by the way, all these special things we need to distinguish between viral and and bacterial infections they're they're actually pretty easy to tell apart just by symptomology and blood tests. You don't have to have any fancy new tests. I guess doctors don't know how to do that anymore because they give them antibiotics whether it's viral or, or not, but they do have antivirals now. So this is going to complicate the, the slower doctors. They'll have a hard time adapting to the fact that you can't just give them, you have to tell the difference now so you can treat it. See, they didn't have to do that before. They always have to use the word surveillance. I'm just surprised that we, you know, I noticed they, I, believe me, I emphasized that when I said it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What the More heck's things. that about? Yeah. What, 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 how does this have to do with, how does antibiotics have to do with surveillance? Wait a minute. What the heck's going on here? Uh, anyway, now they need, they need special diagnostic tests to tell the difference between viral and bacterial infections. I, um, like I said before, I didn't know we had antivirals yet until uh, one of my other co-hosts had a viral, you know, sick, had a virus, and they gave him an antiviral, and it was for three days gone, over and done with. So that's good. So now they'll stop over, the doctors will stop throwing it at people like Candy, and, uh, It'll be better. Now, what is this? Sexually transmitted Neisseria gonorrhea, the second most common disease that healthcare providers are required to report to the CDC, is listed as one of the top three urgent threats to public health and is targeted for a 50% reduction by 2020. Again, this is how it all started, the way they got the notion they could tell us what to do. Who the hell is this national government to tell me as a doctor what I have to report to them? Exactly. That's been around for a long while. That's what leads to what we got now with Obamacare. Government's not allowed to require me to do anything. They work for me. I don't work for them. And all this stuff they're doing is unconstitutional. And, by the way, uh, as far as your your name's concerned, your identity. Your identity's at risk every day because of this government collecting data and centralizing it. There are people out there that can break into their computers still. They have been doing it on and off. Didn't you? It's just like a little thing here, a little thing there. So if they want to tap the database and steal your identity, I don't know how anyone could stop them. Between the VA losing our our records to and getting our records stolen, and that was before centralization of all your stuff. This is this is a nightmare. This literally could turn into utter chaos in no time. 
Although 333,004 cases of gonorrhea were officially reported in 2013, CDC estimates that more than 800,000 gonorrhea infections occur annually, noting that young people and gay and bisexual men are at the greatest risk. The bacteria has acquired resistance to nearly all of the antibiotics that have been used for treatment, according to a CDC spokeswoman. There is only one remaining treatment option that is recommended by CDC, cephalosporin, and it is only a matter of time before gonorrhea gains resistance to this treatment. Again, do you see what they're, again, him with the gay community. Yep. Well. Sorry, we see a lot of things in this. This is, this sounds too good to be true. They're not, there's nothing ever the government gets involved in that's for your benefit. They're trying to say, oh, look, it's going to help you. No, no, no. I know, you're the government. You're here to help. Not really. Reagan would be proud. Recent data suggests that one remaining recommended treatment option for gonorrhea continues to be highly effective. But healthcare provider adherence to treatment guidelines and continued public health monitoring are essential to preserve this treatment for as long as possible the spokeswoman added. So the doctors are already working for the government, so not a big change for them, huh? They, they don't know, they don't, they just accept this blind, we have become lemmings. It's disgusting. We just accept the yoke of, of slavery so easily. In a 2012 report, the CDC acknowledges that it is only a matter of time before physicians encounter strains of gonorrhea that are also resistant to cephalosporin. It is likely CEPH-RNG, cephalosporin-resistant gonorrhea, infections will emerge in the United States, according to the report. The emergence of cephalosporin-NG could occur through the importation of CEPH-RNG from other countries, through genetic transformations, by obtaining genetic information from other organisms, or through domestic drug selection pressures in the United States. Selected, there's more good, selection drug, drug pressures. Domestic drug selection pressures. The government telling doctors how to treat the patient. See, they're already working for the government. The other thing with this, that part saying, they're getting us ready for what all these brown pieces of crap are gonna uh, have already brought here. Yes. From other countries. They're going to do all kinds of things. You, you, if we ever find out anything in writing what these people plan, it, it, it'll blow your mind that any human being can even speak this way. Like, who is that the woman who founded Planned Parenthood, Sanger. Wow, what a horrible woman. Whew, she's full of hate. She just wanted to get rid of black people and, and sickly people. Just kill them all. Don't let them procreate. Well, if you if you don't get emotional about it, it, it probably is the correct scientific way to go about uh, the, the stated goal of a better breed, if you will, of humans. All right, so, uh, blah, blah, blah. 
Clostridium difficile is another of the top three urgent threats targeted by the White House. The bacteria which causes inflammation of the colon that can result in life-threatening diarrhea infects 250,000 Americans each year and has been blamed for an estimated 14,000 deaths annually, mostly among the elderly. The bacteria is responsible for at least $1 billion in excess medical costs per year, according to the CDC's landmark report, Anti-Resistant Threats in the United States 2013. Now, see how this is is getting tied to money and cost? This is all going to get worse as long as Obamacare takes over the whole of health care. This, this is going to get worse. See... That's why certain drug press. Why would the government tell you to take one drug over another? Uh, they have their reasons, and they're obviously way above our pay grade because they're not telling us, which is impossible because we're, we're they're at the bottom of the, we're at the top. All power comes from us. It's like a period pyramid, and the national government's down there at the bottom. Anyway, so they're going to start. They use. They're going to pressure us in every single direction, whether it's costing too much, whether it's inconvenient, whether you can get it, find it. Uh, see if they just take it out of the market, you can't get it because it doesn't exist anymore. Oh, you don't think they would do that? Oh, I don't know. Was it? Wasn't it FDR that made all the farm pig farmers slaughter all their hogs, throw them in a in a pit and burn them? Yep. Just saying, the government would never do something like that, now would it? All in the name of we the people. We're helping you. See? <laughs> stop helping. Please stop helping. A stronger drug-resistant strain of C. diff emerged in 2000 and spread throughout North America and Europe, infecting and killing more people wherever it spreads. Does anybody get the feeling that the planet's trying to kill us? You don't feel that? <laughs> I, I think the planet has decided there's too much of us. Well, this would be a, na- a natural balancing if you think about nature as a balance. How would nature respond to too much too many humans on the planet and what that does to the planet so it would ha- it would affect the natural state of things and there would be an equalizing effect that would be other ways to kill us right through disease seems like there's a lot of them and they're pretty aggressive aren't they i need you to go down to the last paragraph because this is getting boring yeah it's too much But the last paragraph is really good. Okay. Although there are 40 new antibiotics currently in development, including texobactin, which researchers say could be a game changer in the hunt for medicines to fight drug-resistant infections, there has uh, not been a new class of antibiotics approved for human use in the U.S. since 1987. Thank you, FDA. I'm telling you, the government kills people every day by either their action or inaction. And now, now our president's got toys to go over and assassinate people all over the world. What, the drones? Yes. <laughs> I want a drone. 
We actually need a drone here. <laughs> we could use a drone. And I know how it outfit it, too. <laughs> All right, let's move along from CNSNews.com. Nothing is more under attack than reproductive choice in America today. Nothing is more under attack than reproductive choice in America today. Read who said this. Delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton, Democrat D.C. Boy, that's a double D. That's bad. Said at an event last week titled, On the Offensive, Protecting Reproductive Choice Against State and Federal Attacks, featuring a panel of abortion advocates at George Washington University Hospital. See, it's even when they're saying, even this argument's hypocritical. They say they want choice, but it's not really what they want. Now, you say you want government out of the reproductive rights, but it's because government's in the reproductive rights that we're having this conversation because federal dollars are being used for abortion. Well, you know, excuse me, Madam Delegate Eleanor Kami Holmes, I can name about four things that are more under attack in the United States. My liberties being one. The Constitution being two. My ability to eat being three. Our ability for our own choice in health care being four. We could go on and on and on. But see, that's the only progs can decide that they could take real choice. Have sex, don't have sex. Have protected sex, don't have protected sex. Those sound like choices to me, right? That's reproductive choice. Not an abortion. They took it from that to now uh, the reproductive choice is abortion. That's the choice. It's, It's no choice. I don't understand how women can just put up with this. It's nonsense. It should offend women, really, I think. Because, first of all, we shouldn't feel great about having an abortion. We shouldn't have a party every time someone has an abortion, right? That's that's a horrible thing. But government's not supposed to be involved in it at all. And SCOTUS has no power to make law in the Constitution. So this is still a state matter. It's up to state nullification to happen. You're going to hear more and more about nullification because nullification is the key. But again, our governments aren't there yet. We got to get them there. Not to them willing. They'll be willing to do this before we've completely taken them over. They'll just blow it. So we've got a lot of work to do before we, we go for the end game. But again... That's it's that's not a choice. It's like the only thing a woman has a choice is to have an abortion or not have an abortion. She first of all doesn't have to have sex. That's her first choice. Seems like a lot of choices here that are being are being made but maybe poorly. Women are choosing poorly. And uh I mean, come on, in this day and age, every woman has can have protection. From getting an uh, from getting pregnant. Well, that's one of the things that Sandy Sandra Sandra Flaky Flukey Flukbitch was complaining about. We were blocking her ability to do that by not giving it to her for free. <laughs> because 
no one can afford 10 bucks a month that goes to college and goes out partying and, you know, young girls don't have to spend any money. You know how that works. So, uh, they've got, they got to have some money. It, and besides, well, that takes away how, from their Medi Petty. And how, <laughs> and, and what did she tell you all the time? That's all they hear. All she hears in the halls of college is, oh my God, I, I don't have enough money for birth control so I can have sex. And we got to go to breaks. Young Guap Radio Show. You stay tuned, cause we will be right back. We are the socialists. You will be assimilated. Your individual liberties, personal freedoms, and mental individuality will be added to our own. Resistance is futile. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Who can make the sun rise? Promise you the moon. Cover you with health care and a miracle or two. Obama can. Obama can. Oh, Obama can, man. Obama can, man. Do you know a soldier in need of an angel? Would you like to be an angel to a soldier in need? Then you should visit www.soldiersangels.org. Since 2003, Soldiers Angels has supported thousands of American service members stationed wherever we raise our country's flag, and the number is growing daily. They also work with our wounded soldiers, giving them backpacks filled with needed items, personal visits, phone calls, etc. Additionally, they send our thanks via letters and email to the military of Great Britain, Poland, and Australia, who serve by our soldier side in Iraq. Soldiers' Angels are dedicated to ensuring that our military know they are loved and supported during and after their deployment into harm's way. So sign up to be an angel today, or send an angel to a soldier in need. Visit www.soldiersangels.org. This has been a public service announcement from the Uncooperative Radio Show. Are payday loans ruining your life? Do you want control over your money again? If you have two or more payday loan cash advances, listen closely. You may be eligible for a program payday loan companies don't want you to know about. A program that may help get aggressive in unfair payday loan companies out of your bank account and get you back on track to financial freedom. Payday loan companies may trap you into paying outrageously high interest rates, and they take way too much of your hard-earned money every week. We understand their tactics and know how to keep them off your back. We'll fight hard to help you regain control of your money. If you have two or more payday loan cash advances, call right now for a free consultation. 877 314 2657 877 314 2657 877-314-2657. 877-314-2657. 877-314-2657. 877-314-2657. 877-314-2657. 877-314-2657. 877-314-2657. 877-314-2657. 877-314-2657. 877-314-2657. 877-314-2657. 877-314-2
Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street, and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Things have got to change. How many stations does this go out? You've got to get mad. I know it goes to Louisville and Atlanta. We're not going to take this anymore. Then we'll figure out what to do about the depression and the inflation and the oil crisis. But first, get up out of your chairs, open the window, stick your head out and yell, and say, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Back to the Uncooperative Radio Show. Well, before you go on, I want to thank um, Paul Shanklin for all of the parodies that we did, except we built the city. That was Paul Revere Radio. And I cannot believe that network, Mad as Hell, is relevant to this day. It's so old, and it still is relevant. It is amazing. And even though the dollar is strong against foreign currency still, being the reserve currency is the only reason... That does that should they're in worse shape than we are. That that's all that's all that means. Uh, but what can you buy with the dollar? Like he was talking, buy a nickel's worth. Yeah. We might be down to a penny's worth of what it used to buy. That's what happens at fiat currency. Fly away money. So never forget you can find us in all kinds of lovely places on the internet. I tunes or an I heart. We're on Spreaker.com. We're rebroadcast on RedStateTalkRadio.com. And you can... Red State Talk Radio, which has 24-7 streaming internet talk radio. Conservative, of course. 
<clears throat> we have a 24-7 listener line. You can call and listen. You can't call and talk, but you can call and listen to the show. You know, if you got unlimited on your on your phone and you want to use that instead of your your data, you know. So you can call 605. I gave you plenty of time to get a pencil and paper. 605 562 4209. 605 562 4209. And, you know, we're on AM and FM affiliates here and there, and I just don't want to go into it. Also, don't forget Susan's books. You can go get our ebooks on Amazon. Just search for Susan Francis. With an E, Bonner, Susan Francis Bonner, and they will come up. If uh, if a hardcover book comes up, a regular print book comes up, please don't buy it because they stole it from her and haven't paid her a dime. If the, besides, it's twenty five dollars, and our ebook is only seven ninety nine, and the children's books are only four ninety nine, and we have three. The Great Green and Old, The Christmas Pigs, and The Adventures of Izzy and Coco, with illustrations done by her niece, her uh, nephew, who happens to be autistic, but uh, he likes to draw. So, the it is even illustrated. And if you don't have, you know, Kindle or or one of the other bookie book things, and you just have computer, laptop, whatever, they have a free program that you can download before checkout and you can read the ebooks kindles and everything right there on your computer they have it both for windows and mac and i'm not sure about linux okay that was a lot (laughs) goodness sakes all right let's go to cns news again so she uh we talked about choice and how I feel that our natural rights give us our natural choices, and that would be if I have sex, I I might get pregnant. So if I don't want to get pregnant, don't have sex. Even with protection, it's only about 90% effective. So <laughs> it's, you know, God could still find a way to create life if... Uh, if he wants to, it's not 100% effective. The only 100% effective is not having sex at all. Unlike, that'll never happen because these young girls are taught to have sex and have it often. You don't have to tell boys anything. Norton and other panelists complained of the 2011 ban on local abortion funding in the District of Columbia and legislation in Congress such as the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act, which would ban abortion after 20 weeks. That's how it was when I was growing up, first trimester. Growing up. I was a teenager. As I look at what's up in Congress and the issues that are often discussed either among members or in Congress or as I think about the states, I do not think I exaggerate when I say nothing is more under attack than reproductive choice in America today. Norton said in her opening remarks, that was her opening salvo. Nothing, huh? I can think of a lot of things. 
And uh, they're a little bit more important than whether or not you, you could be a slut. What? I could, they have a right to be a slut, but I have a right to call them whatever I want. Val Vallot, board president of the D.C. Abortion Fund, an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that makes grants to women and girls in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia who cannot afford the full cost of an abortion. God forbid she should have the baby and put it up for adoption. Lamented Congress's ban on the district's funding of elective abortions for women on Medicaid, which had been lifted in 2009 but reinstalled in April 2011. Really? Hmm. Reinstated. During that moment when there was Medicaid, the number of people accessing abortion was huge. And I can tell you now, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I promise it outstrips what we could do as a teeny organization. And the bottom line is that we shouldn't have to, right? Bilat said. It's a privilege to do this work, but we shouldn't have to do it because it's the job of the government and it's the job of the people we elect to take care of as citizens, particularly those most in need and those who are trying to get their lives on track of their choice, she argued. Here we go again, government, not not individual charity, but government charity. We do not create governments to take care of us. We create governments to punish people and violate our rights and make enough order in the universe that we can make a profit. Yes, whether you're working for someone or are the employer, everybody is working for profit. Just depends how you look at it. So, particularly those who need it, but that's what they're teaching the kids in public school now. They have these little cartoons and they talk about what government is. Government's supposed to take care of us. That's what government's job is. And then they take something out of one of our founding documents out of context. But uh, I like what the Declaration of Independence says. And all I say is that statement applies right now to this government anytime we want. We can make it happen. Vallot's organization was previously made news for providing coat hanger pendants to reward their donors. Well, do, do what you want. Uh, my, my mother used coat hangers for abortions all the time. And I was almost a coat hanger abortion. The associate, but it's not like that anymore. There's no, there's no negative connotations for women getting married, uh, for women not getting married but having babies out of wedlock. It, it, there's no shame in having sex anymore. You you brag about the sexual acts you've done. It's a different wor- universe than what we grew up in, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it's a promiscuous one. An Associated Press report revealed that over the two-year period that the ban was lifted, D.C. funded 300 abortions. That's a lot of abortions. Again, why are we so eager to give power of life and death to the government? They funded 300 abortions in two years. That's in the little teeny district of Columbia. Imagine what it is 
nationwide. And by the way, Sanger was specifically targeting brown folk, brown people. Yep. She wanted them, but they called them mongrel DNA out of the out of the swimming pool. Uh, so there's still there's still a lot of abortions in the ghetto, but it it's a it's a it's a two swinging thing because of government involvement in both places. The government's paying them extra every time they have a baby, so they're not having abortions; they're having babies. And we're taking care of them. That's why there's no husbands. Government involvement again. If the husband was there, if the father was there, any male, the father, uh, they would not get welfare. So that's why there's no fathers with inner city babies. And they take it like that completely takes them off the hook for everything. And they just go about their business. so you got the on one side you got the the Sanger gov- people trying to abort them out of existence, and on the other side you got the government telling them if you have babies I'll give you more money. So they're not having them. You, you see, see my point here? That's an awful lot of government involvement, don't you think? Well, that's what happens when you sell yourself to the slavery of the welfare state. Oh, by the way, don't repeat that uh, in front of a black person. They'll get really mad at you. Oh, I don't care. I say whatever I want. While the I don't want to, I don't want to be responsible for you getting a broken nose. While the U.S. of federal, <laughs> while the U.S. Uh, the use of federal funding for elective abortions is prohibited by the Hyde Amendment, statues can use that. States can use their local tax dollars to fund elective abortions for women on Medicaid, which 17 states do. That's ridiculous. Although all but four do so pursuant to court order, according to Guttmacher Institute. Look at this. This is so disgusting. They're doing it by court order? Really? You have a right to kill something? Yeah. That's supposed to protect life, not not kill it. That's what I mean. Why do we keep giving the government power over life and death? That's 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 ridiculous. It doesn't have that. We but we're giving it that, even though it doesn't have that. It's a very confusing world. Everything is an illusion. It's what you can't see that's real. Ha! <sighs> the Hyde Amendment. I remember that fight. It means nothing. Christy Zink, an assistant writing professor at the. And the director of George Washington University Writing Center related her story of deciding to abort her second child at nearly 22 weeks because of a brain deformity. The decision to have an abortion at almost 22 weeks was made out of love and to spare my son's pain and suffering. If this bill had been passed before my pregnancy, I would have had to carry to term and give birth to a baby whom the doctors concurred had no chance of life, and would have experienced near-constant pain, Zeng said, referencing the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act. Zig previously told her story in her, uh, again, government involvement, in her, and look how it's making people behave. Brian, it's her second, abor- it's her second abortion. Uh-huh. Number two. 
Sorry, lady, you don't get my sympathy. Yeah, crush you like. Sig previously told her story in uh, May 2013 testimony before Congress, where Representative Louis Golmert, Republican of Texas, responded with the story of a couple he knew that decided to keep their child despite fetal anal- anomalies. Ms. Zink, having my great sympathy and empathy both, I still come back wondering, shouldn't we wait like that couple did and see if the child can survive before we decide to rip him apart? He asked her at the time. Another speaker was National Abortion Federation Medical Director Dr. Matthew Reeves, who, in addition to his past work performing abortions at Planned Parenthood, had been an attending physician at McGee Women's Hospital at University of Pittsburgh in both the gynecological and ultrasound divisions. Part of my job there was to read ultrasounds, the other side of my career, and we used to regularly encourage our referring obstetricians to send the patients closer to 20 weeks because we could see the fetal heart so much better. He said during the question and answer period, in response to a question about why women wait 20 weeks to obtain abortions. Everything you see better closer to 18 to 20 weeks, particularly the fetal heart, which is another source of common anomaly. So we would actually request that they be sent closer to 20 weeks because we could see so much better, he explained. This can't be done earlier. So in other words, further along in the child's development. Hmm. I don't know. What is an anomaly in the womb? What does it equate to a real thing in the real world? I don't know. It was abortion number two. <laughs> there are people with abortion number I ten. Know, I know that, but the point is, why she got an abortion? In the she got her first abortion. What in God's name? Was she thinking to get pregnant again sure. if she knew she was just going to abort it? Or she, or she's saying, well, I got pregnant again, but I wasn't going to abort it until I found this out. That's what she's saying. But in the way she used her wording, isn't it nice how it fit into the title of the legislation? Yes. Convenient. All I got to say is... Abortion is killing, and again, our government should have nothing to do with it, and nothing to do... Well, first of all, our government's not supposed to have anything to do with anybody in the country anyway. Just giving money to people, Planned Parenthood, there's nothing the Constitution allows for any of that. They're supposed to be dealing with foreign affairs, which they're not. Right. Well, they are, (laughs) but poorly, very poorly. So far, I think we've gone from laughingstock to... A hysterical heart attack. I mean, this, we are like like an old comedy skit. It's ridiculous. We go from the shining city on the hill to the comedy club. What? I, I want the shiny city on the hill. I just I don't like being the comedy club. <laughs> well, I got to push another button. Well, then push the button. <laughs> It's almost imperceptible 
Another firearms law, they assault my bill of rights. As they plead for public safety and they press on towards their goal, I say the Brady Bill is a stab in the back in the fight for gun control. Cause I'm a fight to keep alive freedom in the Bill of Rights, native bone American. Who's gonna rise and take a stand, draw a line in the sand, hold the line till kingdom come. So if they ever try to legislate, send the troops to confiscate before the dirty deeds be done. Somebody's blood on down the street might run. If they ever try to come take my gun. Okay, thank you. Call Clang Clang with a K dot com. And of course, that means it's time for the Second Amendment report. Meets the Fed. From Infowars. One of the biggest stories for years in the alternative media was the mysterious and foreboding purchase of Homeland Security of more than 1.6 mil billion rounds of ammunition. <laughs> you were, yeah, it was everywhere. Yeah, except the NRA denied it. They said it was no big deal. That wasn't the reason they that they had They downplayed it, not like denied to a, it. To a T, they downplayed it. Of course it. they did. I'm, I'm sorry, why does the postal office need millions of rounds of ammunition? It wasn't just Department of Homeland Security. There, there was... All the other agencies as well. Thanks to coverage on prominent sites like Drudge Report, the story reached into mainstream media, prompting official spin in downplaying of the purchase. Now, a new Homeland Security purchase order listed on FedBiz Ops also raises the eyebrow or two, given the heated and divided political and social climate at hand. Just look at what happened in Ferguson. A request for less lethal specialty munitions for use by Homeland Security dated March the 23rd, 2015 reads, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, CBP, intends to solicit responses to requests for information, RFI, 2008-2225-JTC for less lethal specialty munitions, LLSM, or for use by the Department of Homeland Security. CBP is interested in incorporating commercial and industrial practices that support this type of procurement. To, to accomplish this, CBP tends to make industry a partner in all facets of the acquisition process, specifically by considering existing market capabilities, strengths, and weaknesses for the acquisition of this commodity. Over the course of nine pages, the technical requirements call for an arsenal of specialized weaponry for training and development and deployment against crowds. On top of a wide range of gas and chemical grenades, rubber bullets, and other riot rounds, the purchase calls for controlled noise and light distraction devices, flashbangs, 
including flashbangs. Oh, there. <laughs> there you go. Which sets off a 175 decibel sound with 6 to 8 million candelas light bursts in 10 milliseconds. So why are the feds prepping to take on crowds? Officially, the request is put through Customs and Border Control as a subset the Department of Homeland Security. But it is unlikely that the equipment will be used to protect the border and keep out illegal aliens. But the riot gear and crowd control devices have many potential uses. And you know there is no way on God's green earth or in hell they're going to give this to the Border Patrol, ever. They want the illegals in here. They're not giving it to the Border Patrol. That's so up above. Nobody paid attention. I knew they weren't going to. Well, I just wanted to emphasize They were it. doing this through Customs and Border because they were hiding their acquisition, but it has been discovered. Anyway, so... But the riot gear will not be will not have anything to do with that. No illegal alien riot. No, they get to come here and have a party, man. Perhaps the equipment for use in instances like last year when protesters in... Murrieta confronted Customs and Border Patrol agents and blocked buses carrying a wave of illegal immigrants, aliens, from Central America. The requested equipment includes hand-delivered pyrotechnic canisters, including smoke canister for training, reduced toxicity, continuous discharge large smoke canister operations, continuous discharge CS canister, that's uh, tear gas, yes. Orange colored smoke canister, green colored smoke canister. Those things are for marking. Those smoke cans are for marking fronts on, on a battlefield so that the air support knows where you are. What are they doing with them? That's why I'm glad you're so knowledgeable about this. I was not going to put the whole list in, and I said, you know what? The American people that listen to this radio show need to know this. So we are going to read the list. And you're going to explain, and you are, and I'm very grateful that you can do this. Because <laughs> I had no idea what this meant. Okay. Orange-colored and green-colored smoke canister, pocket tactical smoke canister, pocket tactical CS canister, three-part submunition CS canister, Non-burning internal canister OC grenade and non-pyrotechnic indoor-outdoor use. Flameless expulsion grenade OC. Flameless expulsion grenade CS. And flameless expulsion grenade inert. The inert means it's just a flameless expulsion grenade with nothing else in it. The other has tear gas and... What I forget what OC is. All used for crowd control, though. Uh, hand-delivered rubber ball grenades. Rubber ball grenades? I've never seen one of those. That must be wild. I didn't even know we had all this stuff. The this rubber, is all military rubber stuff. Rubber bullets they've been, they used to use against the Northern Ireland, against the Irish. I, and, I know that, but, but I didn't know that we had <clears> any of this stuff. And first of all, isn't this supposed to be used for the military only? No, but they're not supposed to exist, so they can't be making these unconstitutional purchases if they don't exist, right? That's the problem. They exist. So rubber ball grenade, rubber ball grenade CS. Again, that's tear gas. 40 millimeter launched specialty impact munitions. 
40 millimeter direct impact sponge cartridge, sponge cartridge OC, sponge cartridge marking, sponge cartridge inert, 40 millimeter t- sponge training rounds, crowd management projectile cartridges. Those are all, if you wonder where it sounds weird, those are the titles. And then I'm reading what's under that. So uh, under this is 40 millimeter smokeless powder blast OC, smokeless powder blast CS. That just means it throws all, all the powder inside just gets aerosol and uh, it's either OC or CS. Long range canister, obviously for shooting out of a 40 millimeter launcher. Again, CS. Long range canister smoke. Cartridge four part submunition CS. Cartridge four part submunition smoke. Aerial warning munitions 100 meters aerial warning munitions 200 meters aerial warning munitions 300 meters then oc 100 oc 200 and oc 300 controlled noise and light distraction devices see they were hoping that they could use this stuff with all the riots that were going across the country yeah they were they really were but nobody reported on it screwed them up i I don't think they got the message out to the lamestream media that they wanted them to report on it Yes, because now it's owned by the government. Right. Distraction device compact. Distraction device. Distraction device reloadable steel body. Distraction device reload. Command initiated distraction device reload. Distraction device training fuse. Distraction device training body. Multiple detonation distraction device. Low profile distraction device. Command initiator and ferret rounds. I do not know what command initiator and ferret rounds are, sorry. Um, but they come in 40 millimeters, and they're OC powder, OC liquid, CS powder, CS liquid. I used to know what OC was. And then one has inert powder in it, probably for training. The ferret rounds are designed to penetrate barriers and deliver debilitating or disrupting chemicals. The projectiles shall be designed to penetrate barriers of glass, particle board, and interior walls. Upon impact of the barrier, the nose cone will rupture and instantaneously deliver the OC liquid on the other side of the barrier. The collection of equipment provides a diverse range of toys with which authorities could push back crowds and potentially initiate, um, sorry, intimidate free speech as well. There are more riots coming. Are there more riots coming, he asks? Is widespread civil unrest only a matter of time? Is the relation to martial law exercises like Jade Helm 15? What do the feds know that we don't? They are getting ready, are you? Dun, dun, dun! No, we really have been saying this. When we we first heard about them stockpiling ammunition and having, like you said, the freaking post office having a special unit... My hair stood on end. I said, what the... And again, that's our citizens against us. What did he say? I want a, I want a civil army. Oh, he didn't say army, but that's what he meant. A civil army as well trained and equipped as our military. Didn't, you didn't listen again. He gives. He tells you what he's going to do, and, and you vote for him, and then you're surprised when he does it. You don't. I don't understand people like that. Anyway, 
we're all doomed. And why? Oh, why do you think they got rid of so many generals? Over twenty generals who got rid of under Obama. Why do you think that was? Because he doesn't trust the military to do his bidding against us. Right. Those particular generals were not going to do what Obama told okay, them to do. Okay. You know the Civil War. Or, I'm not the well Civil War too, but the Revolutionary War. All right. There were our own citizens against us, and and it was a civil war. Right. But we had the Constitution since then. We've been we we came back together even after the Civil War. We came back together. What the heck is wrong with you people out there that you want us to be separated again? We went through two civil wars and we survived. We're not going to survive this because they got brand new toys, shiny new toys. But they're very afraid of our veterans, such as myself. So well, that's why they're trying to kill them through the VA. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm often wondering what's in the pills they give me. Uh, well, that's all right. I'm still here. It's all that matters. Tomorrow, I have to deal with the snow. But for today, I don't. Well, what do you think that we should be doing about this? Well, first, we... It, you got to take the states back. My plan... None of this changes my plan. My plan has to be initiated. It, it has to be... It has to come from the ground up. And you, and you have to get your life back and your neighbor's liberties back one government at a time as well. Uh, one gun up in an entity at a time. But it'll still work. It's going to take time. But patience. Just throw people up in the national, just to throw monkey wrenches into the works. Don't give a rat's behind about what he's talking about, promising you and not promising you. Just figure out who's going to be the biggest pain in the backside and put them up there. That'll slow them down while we're busy working on the ground. But be careful. I think they started listening to my radio show because they have initiated a, a response to my plan on the ground. How do I know this? MoveOn.org sends me all kinds of stuff constantly. They think I'm a prog. <laughs> I, go, I go inform people on Twitter. I tell them what they're doing. I'm like a spy. Double agent. That's right. <laughs> but they must have heard me because they they just recently sent me a thing saying they're doing the ground they're gonna start coming in at the ground up, starting with the school boards and working the web zoning and blah 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 blah. The bad thing about me yapping my ideas out and out there is that uh unfortunately anybody can hear them and take them and pervert them to their own devices. Well, then now it's just a race. It's always us against them, but now it's a race. We have to do it first and fast. Well, we have to outdo them. We have to outdo them. And in some places, that's going to be nigh impossible. And you know what places those are. But in others, you can. Again, even if you only get your school board back under control. You can get rid of Common Core. Among, amongst everything else. You can get rid of the food program. You yeah. get rid of the whole, yep. whole mess. Yeah, uh, kick the government out completely. Educate your own kids. And government has proven incapable of doing so. They don't want to anyway. I told eighteen twenty six. I told you about the president of the teachers association saying their job was not to educate the children, but to indoctrinate them into the progressive mindset and collectivism, the good of the many over the good of the one. Uh, Thank you, Spock. 
collectivism. And I like Spock. Sorry that he, he passed away, but I just didn't like that whole notion when I actually became conservative from being a libtard. Depends how you apply it. If you apply it when he gave his life to save all the shipments, it was appropriate. That it's not. A, that's not a collectivist idea. No, it's not. And that has to go with two, with our military heroes when they give their lives, or anybody gives their lives to protect somebody else. That's God's way. Well, there's no greater gift than to lay down your life for another. Great black leaders? Oh, no. Well, because... More racism? <laughs> Martin Luther King was assassinated on yesterday. Oh, great. Let, let's celebrate that. How about we celebrate his birthday and not his death? Well, I, I like this article because it's giving a lot of examples of great black leaders that we don't have anymore. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. is turning over at his grave. He is. The notion of affirmative action, he would have never nope, allowed that. he would not. That special treatment, that's still prejudicial. Yep. You're not treating a man based on his, his ability. That's what he wanted. Based on... Your character, not your color. What's so hard about that? You know, that's if the, you start saying black people can get the job ahead of the white people just because they're black people, well, now, now you're just doing it against a different section of the of the economy. Well, that's why they had to include women as a protective class because they were afraid they weren't going to lose they were going to lose this argument amongst the black people. So they had to include women, they had to include gays because all of these they all need protection so that they could win the argument because it wasn't just about blacks, you see. I see. Because they would be going against his message. They are. <laughs> I don't care who you are out there. Uh, that really upset a black conservative when I said it, who thinks that because of slavery, black people deserve affirmative action, but nobody else. Uh, it was like, wow, dude, just tripped over your skin color. That's not a conservative thought at all. But, you know, he was pretty good on everything else, but boy, that one, he was way off the mark. So here we got pastor of Atlanta's Ebenezer Baptist Church. Real, uh, Ebenezer? Like Ebenezer Scrooge? He rose to national prominence through the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Awarded the Nobel Prize in 1964. I think back then it still meant something. Congress set aside his birthday as a national holiday. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., as well as Archbishop Desmond Tutu, were influenced by the German church leader Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who resisted Hitler's Nazism. Reverend King was also influenced by the nonviolent methods of India's Mahatma Gandhi. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said August 28, 1963, now is the time to open the doors of opportunity to all of God's children. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protest to de generate into physical violence. New militancy, which has engulfed the Negro community, 
must not lead us to a distrust of all white people. For many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny, and their freedom is inextricably bound to our freedom. We cannot walk alone. On April 16, 1963, Reverend King wrote, I stand in the middle of two opposing forces in the Negro community. One is a force of complacency. The other is a force is one of bitterness and hatred, and it comes perilously close to advocating violence. It is expressed in the various black nationalist groups that are springing up across the nation, the largest and best known being Elijah Muhammad's Muslim movement. I have tried to stand between these two forces, saying that we need to emulate neither the do-nothingism of the complacent nor the hatred of the black nationalists. For there is the more excellent way of love and non-violent protest. I am grateful to God that through the influence of the Negro Church, the way of non-violence became an integral part of our struggle. Reverend King proclaimed, August the 28th, 1963, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Martin Luther King Jr. had attended Booker T. Washington High School in Atlanta, Georgia, 1942-44. to Wasn't that a great speech? And, and... Look what we got now, Obama. <laughs> oh, it's a little bizarre. Booker T. Washington stated May 24th, 1900, the men doing the vital things of life are those who read the Bible and are Christians and not ashamed to let the world know it. Booker T. Washington was born in a slave hut on a plantation in Franklin County, Virginia, April the 5th, 1950, 1856. 1956, I would hope not. He taught himself to read and write, stating, In all my efforts to learn to read, my mother shared fully my ambition and sympathized with me and aided me in every way she could. Now, you always have arguments with people about Booker T. Washington, don't you? No, why? Well, because you, you, you brought him up a couple of times. And and uh, the guy then who invented the cotton gin. Him too, Eli Whitney. That's because right. he was he made the cotton gin to end slavery. There was and he no, was black. There would no longer be a need. And he was black. No, he was white. Was Eli white? I yes. wasn't sure. But Booker, Eli Whitney was Booker white. T. Washington. They, the black community and the progs completely dismissed this man. They didn't used to. <laughs> I know that's a weird sentence, but I, I I'm thinking back to a Booker T. High School and. In New York City, and it kind of just fell back into the <laughs> the New York way of saying things. Actually, it probably had a bigger accent to it. But 
But Booker T. Washington, I thought, was you don't when you change the name from of a school from Booker T. Washington to Malcolm X. What does that say? Malcolm X was a was the, one of the ones King was talking about. He was violent. He wanted he wanted to do violence to Whitey. Um, that shouldn't be anything celebrated in the black communities by na- in the naming of their schools or streets or elsewise. He was the progenitor of the Black Panther movement. Well, enough said there. Tree and fruits. Um, hmm. He attended school after working all day. At age 16, after the Civil War, wait a minute, he went to school? He's self- but he's a slave child. He's self-taught. But he's a slave. Slaves didn't get educated. Well, it seems like this slave owner has no problem with him getting educated. He attended school after work. At age 16, after the Civil War had ended, Booker T. Washington walked nearly 500 miles to attend the Hampton Institute in Virginia, founded by Union General Samuel Chapman Armstrong. Walked nearly 500 miles. Now that's determination. He could have, this guy could have made it in the seals. Booker T. Washington stated, I have spoken of my admiration for General Armstrong, and yet he was but a type of that Christ-like body of men and women who went into the Negro schools at the close of the war by the hundreds to assist in lifting up my race. The history of the world fails to show a higher, purer, more unselfish class of men and women than those who found their way into those Negro schools. Wow. That did, we weren't taught that happened. Whites raced in to lift up the black race at, at the end of the war. Those horrible slave owning, rich, white, privileged, blah 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 blah. But I get so sick of the left's nonsense. Why? Why do they insist on living in such a dark world? Oh, focusing on every little blemish in our history. People make mistakes. Governments and countries are made of people. And uh, the only thing that matters is, do we fix the do we fix it? Or do we just keep doing it? Our history proves that we fix it. What more do you expect? Other countries don't even bother to fix it. Messing with my country. All right, graduating from the Hampton Institute in 1875, Booker T. Washington wrote in his book, Up from Slavery, 1901, perhaps the most valuable thing that I got out of my second year at the Hampton Institute was the understanding of the use and value of the Bible. Miss Nathalie Lord, one of the teachers from Portland, Maine, taught me how to use and love the Bible. I learned to love to read the Bible, not only for the spiritual help which it gives, but on account of its literature. My God! Separation of church and state. Left-wing, liberal, progressive, socialist, copy, fascist, bastard, bursting into flames as we speak. (laughs) 
The lessons taught me in this respect took such a hold upon me that at the present time, when I am at home, no matter how busy I am, I always make it a rule to read a chapter or portion of a chapter in the morning before beginning the work of the day. Whatever ability I may have as a public speaker, I owe in measure to Miss Lord. Booker T. Washington wrote in The Story of My Life and Work, 1856, Aside from General Armstrong, the person who made the deepest impression upon me at Hampton were Miss Nathalie Lord and Miss Elizabeth Brewer, two teachers from New England. I am especially indebted to these two for being helped in my spiritual life and led to love and understanding the Bible. Largely by reason of their teaching, I find that a day rarely, if ever, passes when I am at home that I do not read the Bible. Now, do you remember in uh, Sycophant Caesar's book, he said who influenced him besides the marijuana and drugs? Every left-wing gook. All right. Reverend Wright. Reverend Wrong. And who influenced him? Make a country song. And, And look at this. He's a black man, and he equates two white women with him. From New England. Being who he is. We're such a racist nation, ladies and gentlemen. Again, I don't I, I don't have to go past the Civil War, okay? Hundreds of thousands of people died. I think all price has been paid. Get over it. Lest we end up giving you the bill. And you, you know what I'm talking about. Miss Natalie Lord wrote in, I, I, you know, I miss when I used to read the Bible every day. One of the things I liked about the monastery, being so quiet. Miss uh, Nettler wrote an article for the Hampton Publication. Your, your, <laughs> is your elbow okay, uh, The Southern Workman, May 1902. Booker, as we always called him, I was much interested in him from the first. His quiet, unassuming manner, his earnestness of purpose and faithfulness greatly impressed me. I saw in him one whom you could completely trust. He was diligent in his business and yet unselfish in his thought for others. Oh, you can't have schools named after this. This is too love and light. This is, no. Black Panther, woo-woo, Black Power. Now they have Black Power, Brown Power, uh, White Power. Gay, LGBT. There's no yellow power yet getting rid of the q <laughs> power sometimes they pop up with the q sometimes they don't they don't like the Just q q's there the q's not there sorry it came out i'm never going to forget it and q stands for queer questioning so may 1902 book booker is always oh card manners later booker t Washington attended wayland baptist seminary in washington dc what, this former slave child, how in the heck is he getting all this education? Well, uh, we hire hateful people. Now, I'll tell you what's been hateful, what we've done to them in recent history, that's hateful. And that's done by the progressives. Later, Booker T. Washington attended Wayland Baptist Cemetery in Washington, D.C. He moved west... I mean, he moved to West Virginia and worked in a salt furnace. You know, funny, I, I, I said he moved west because 
a friend of mine in Maryland just said he's moving west. He was considering Pennsylvania and West Virginia. I was like, how is that west? I did, <laughs> it's not. It's a part of the we're eastern west. seaboard. We're west. <laughs> it's, it, it's his baby step to the west. He wants to come further out here uh, eventually. But right now he just started working again with foot of government in D.C., uh, he, he's not allowed to tell us what he does or he'd have to kill us. So. But he has to commute. Okay, so uh, where were we? West Virginia. Worked in a salt furnace and coal mine. In 1876, he taught school in Malden, West Virginia, where he also taught a Sunday school class at the African Zion Baptist Church. Booker T. Washington returned to teach at the Hampton Institute. In 1881, at the age of 25, Booker T. Washington founded the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama with 33 students. Students not only had to learn academics, but also trade skills. They grew their own crops and raised livestock. Self-sufficiency? Really? Oh my goodness. We used to be once upon a time. Booker T. Washington observed that since slaves had been forced to work so hard on plantations, once freed, some held the expectation that they did not have to work as hard, even though they benefited from it. He counted this by teaching, No race can prosper till it learns that there is as much dignity in tilling a field as in writing a poem. I want to see you own land. What is equally important, each one of the students works each day at some industry in order to get skill and the love of work so that when he goes out from the Institute, he is prepared to set the people with whom he goes to labor a proper example in the matter of industry. Few things can help an individual more than to place responsibility on him and to let him know that you trust him. Booker T. Washington hired Robert Robertson Taylor the first African-American architect from MIT who graduated near the top of his class. Students made the bricks and helped build over 100 campus buildings, constructed classrooms, barns, outbuildings, and, in 1899, Tuskegee's impressive chapel. And, of course, we know about the Tuskegee Airmen. They'll come later. In the spring of 1896, Booker T. Washington invited George Washington Carver to teach at Tuskegee. As he had received his master's degree degree from Iowa State Agricultural Institute. Oh my lord, black people are getting degrees. Yeah, it's got to stop. Booker T. Washington <laughs> became friends with the leading men of his day, including President William McKinley, Theodore Roosevelt, and William H. Taft. Oh, they're all presidents, so I figured you knew that. Uh, I don't know that much about McKinley. Tell you the truth, I have no idea what he did except get a mountain named after him and get up there on that thing with the other presidents. But then Teddy Roosevelt made it. And I couldn't believe how the, the, they carved the great presidents and Teddy Roosevelt was one of them. It was the original progressive. My goodness. We got we to gotta jackhammer him off the side of that cliff. <laughs> I don't even remember the name of it anymore. But Mount Rushmore. Yeah, that's it, Mount Rushmore. <laughs> why, why, why is it Mount Rushmore? Does Rush do more there? 
Is his is that where he has a studio? Uh, so anyway, uh, President William H. Taft, Steel Industrials Andrew Andrew Carnegie, Standard Oil's John D. Rockefeller, and Henry Huddleston Rogers, George Eastman, inventor and founder of Kodak, Sears, Roebuck and Company, President Julius Rosenwald. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to have to end the show. This has been the Uncooperative Radio Show. I'm your host, Brian Bonner from UncooperativeBlogger.com. You're listening to UncooperativeRadio.com. And say so good night, Susan. Good night, Susan. And we're out of here! With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.